Hi, welcome everybody to another episode of the CycleCast, and thank you for streaming, downloading, or tuning in at CycleFeed.xyz. My name is Aloudin Hightower, and I'm here with my co-host, Ronnie Toth. Thanks for having us, y'all. What's going on, everybody? Let's clap, clap, clap. That's our sound effects. <laughs> um, today, uh, our show covers all things women, okay? And to talk about this, we have a very special guest. And uh, she is a very inspirational cyclist for women all around the world. She's beat breast cancer. I'm sorry. Um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. I'm sorry. Okay, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Thank you. And is currently riding with the elite Chanelli Chrome team. And uh, even a former Wolfpack dog tag and Red Hook Brooklyn winner. We want to thank you so much, Miss Joe Celso, for joining us today. I feel so bad I read that wrong. It said beat, I said breast. But tell us. Oh, about Hodgkin's? Yeah, please. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lymph cancer, so okay. it affects your lymph nodes. And it's actually, it's a pretty, one of the most well-researched cancers. So as far mm-hmm. as, if you get cancer, like, you don't want cancer, but if you get it, it's like... This is the one you want. That's, yeah, so it's... Can it's, I please have Hodgkin's lymphoma? <laughs> yeah, like, you're like, oh, thank you. Like, how, did, uh, how did they originally diagnose it? Like, how did they discover that you were not 100% fixie food anymore? Um, so I actually was really healthy. I'd actually... Um, I'd started racing in 2011, like mid-2011. And I did maybe two races. And in my second race, I was rubbing my shoulder after, and I noticed this weird kind of bump right at the uh the curve of my shoulder and um you know I was calling around trying to get a doctor's appointment and it's it's annoying to do that but um I finally went in and like three biopsies later they found out that there was cancerous cells and then from there you go into like PET CT scans and there was a big big uh like cancerous mass in my chest as well and the lymph Mm -hmm. nodes there so but uh, as far as symptoms went I didn't really have any sort of uh so it was just a chance thing to where you went in and then they started checking you out and finding out yeah well and like 90 percent of the time with lymph nodes even more than that like 99 percent of the time when you have swollen lymph nodes it's not anything hmm. I, I, I was gonna say i feel like i sometimes i have swollen lymph nodes in my throat you know is that what it is or those? Yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah. pretty normal just whenever mm-hmm. you get or not whenever but most of the time when people get sick your lymph nodes yeah, that's mm-hmm. your body filtering little. stuff out right yeah yeah it kind of coagulates there um what is the survivability percentage of something like hodgkin's lymphoma hodgkin's is actually really cool um in the sense that it's not cool, but like Austin uh, is a homie and lets us live. <laughs> Joe Celso supports Hodgkins. <laughs> oh, God. You heard it here, folks. Love that stuff. No, Hodgkins. Um, it's actually a cancer that they've largely based modern, like a chemo protocol. Oh, is that okay? Um, so, um, with with the success they've had recently, it's like. 90% above depending on what stage and really yeah okay. and depending on what kind of Hodgkin's because there's a couple different kinds right it makes sense that if your body is filtering stuff out through these lymph nodes that that would be a common form of cancer that you would get it's like all the toxins are kind of it's actually not really? um what non-Hodgkin's about? is much more common hmm. but Hodgkin's is really rare not really rare but it's it's pretty rare yeah so 90% survival rate yeah it's a you know, which is still kind of like you—you you hear that, but when you actually go through it, and someone's like, "Still terrifying." Yeah, yeah, like one out of ten of you will die. You're like, "Oh, 
it's not as yeah. great as I mean, I who mean. who even there's uh, Fixie Foods that wouldn't take that deal if you're playing Russian roulette with a, a ten chamber revolver. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. many no, people sure. would have the guts to uh, to pull the trigger on it, even a ten chamber revolver. No way. No way. Or even be in a race and say, Okay, there's ten of you guys, one of you guys is not gonna make it. Yeah. Then somebody's you're right. gonna end up with a titanium face. <laughs> oh <laughs> too soon? Too soon. No, it's fine. <laughs> Um, so we can, we'll jump back into that if you don't mind. I want to talk to you guys real quick about, you guys did a race today called Feel My Legs. Yes. I like was, we go from Joe surviving cancer to, so today. Yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. bad? Was that, was that too much? <laughs> no, I like, I want to dig, I want to dig a, a little bit more and just what, what sort of fears are going through your mind? Okay. You know, something like that. What, um. I, I know what I what I went through, and it's it's incredible that you've been through the fire and come yeah. back, and you've done more um, accolades wise and um, accomplishments after the fact than before. Good point. So, yeah. What was what was going through your head? How did you um, how did you dig deep? Did self pity ever set in? Did you develop any mantras or credos that you would say to yourself? Give us the rundown. I think I just spent a lot of time being kind of mad and. Uh... It's a hard time, like, um, you're mad just because, um, a lot of cancers, and people don't really understand this, but with, with a lot of cancer, you don't really know, like, why you got it. It's just some weird, you know, luck and genetics, and, you know, maybe it's lifestyle, but it's so hard to tell that, and especially with, with something like Hodgkin's, we still don't really know. You weren't um, smoking a gang of cigarettes or anything. No. Like that. Okay. So. <laughs> no, I mean I was a I was a pretty just right off the bat I was a pretty promising mm-hmm. athlete. So Okay. Um Yeah, so I spent a lot of time being mad and a lot of it was kind of a reflection on like of all the people, why me? Like um and I'd see some of my friends too, you know, I was I was 22 at the time and uh a lot of my friends are like partying all the time and they're just trashing their bodies and they're doing drugs and they're drinking all the time and and it was hard because I'd watched my friends just trash their, their healthy bodies. And then I had this body that I wanted to use for, for athletics and, you know, just, you know, I don't even eat meat. I'm vegetarian. I don't smoke. I'm pretty healthy. And, uh, like for it to be me of all people, it was just so like, so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how, how old do you know, Joe? Um, 27. 27. So this is five yeah. years ago. That's uh, it's incredible to be able to bounce back from that. What what were the lowest moments you had? You, you touched on kind of the anger, the the frustration, or maybe the comparing of other people that live way far less healthy lives than you, and they have healthy bodies, and you just want to use your healthy body. What was the absolute low moment for you? And then how did it improve? And um, you find your own personal hope and and light throughout that. I mean, I just I hit a point too. It's like. There's there's this thing now with cancer where they've got it kind of figured out as far as like um people used to get really skinny and just like you see that stereotype of right. of cancer patients where they're like hairless and just emaciated and they just look sickly and now like they have us on all you know they they put you on all these anti nausea steroids and whatever and so I just got to a point where I was like swollen and bald and kind of just like I looked like kind of an overgrown baby. And uh, it's a good look. Yeah, I was, it was, I was, it was rough. Say, that doesn't that doesn't sound bad. Um, no, that's horrible. I but. couldn't I couldn't work out. So and mm-hmm. it's it's weird too. Like um, like I always bring this up because I don't think people quite realize it. But uh, 
like you know when you lose your hair like mm-hmm. especially as a woman like your hair is something especially like longish hair like right that's a part of your personality i had i had waist length hair since i was probably you know old enough to grow hair okay and uh we cut it all off to my shoulders and then it fell out so i just shaved my head eventually wow um so it was i mean it's pretty like um it's hard to kind of look in the mirror and not really know who you're looking at anymore because mm-hmm. you're so just swollen and hairless and tired. Like I was so, I, I slept like a lot of times, like 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, That's like me on the regular. <laughs> yeah, but this, this was without working out too. Like I tried, I tried writing and uh, I got a little bit of writing in too, but like it was just so hard just to write even like you know like an hour or two at an easy easy pace did you are you riding while on on chemotherapy yeah yeah i rode for a lot of chemo did you did you have like a rollers in the hospital or what did you do did you um i was outpatient for the whole time so i'd go into the clinic for you know i think it was maybe like three ish hours Mm -hmm. um once every other week Okay. This treatment. I remember you saying how hard it was beginning to feel good as maybe some of the chemotherapy is wearing off and then knowing that in a day or two you had to go back in and put yourself into that nausea pain cave all over again. Um, what are some deals you, you made with yourself or promises you made to yourself to where when you were the 9 out of 10 that survived, what are some things that you wanted to do or accomplish? You know, I didn't... I don't know that I really thought that far ahead. And some of it is like, um, there's this thing with statistics where when you get that sick out of nowhere, like, um, you know, I, I mentioned that Hodgkin's is a really rare, it's a pretty rare disease. You kind of think like if, you know, like if like a tiny, tiny percentage of the population gets this disease and I got it when you're looking at things like, oh, nine out of 10 people survive or nine out of 10 people like, get rid of it and then, you know, stay in remission Mm -hmm. and are, you know, are cured. When you look at the numbers like that, it's not, it's not comforting anymore. It's like, well, I already was in the minority. What's to say I can't, you know, statistically I could be in the minority again. So it was more just kind of on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It got to the point where my ex-boyfriend was bribing me with a Starbucks to go to chemo because I was just, I was so depressed. He'd be like, I'll get you Starbucks. he'd, He'd be like, We'll stop at Starbucks and I'll buy you like a wrap and a, a frappuccino if you go to chemo. I'm like, that's not good enough, bro. <laughs> I can drive there myself. <laughs> I, I, cu- I couldn't though. I was, oh. You know, after a while, I was so. <laughs> okay. And you can't like um, with chemo, you can't drive yourself to and from. So I had to have someone drive me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, did it ever feel like that uh, you wouldn't bounce back at all? Did you? Did you, did you know, or did you have an idea that, uh, you'd ever feel that you'd bounce back with such a great success pretty much? You know, there was a time when I didn't really know, um, one of the complex, um, potential complications with the, uh, chemo regimen I was on, which is, it's ABVD and any, anytime you look at chemo regimens, they're always, um, listed by letters. Okay. Um, and it's the first letter of the drug that they're oh, giving you so it's okay. a it's actually a cocktail of four drugs right right but um the b stands for bleomycin mm-hmm. which has this 
it's not everyone. It's actually not most people. But in some people, um, it causes permanent lung damage. Really? So I actually um, connected with someone at one point who had been through Hodgkin's, mm-hmm. who had been a marathon runner. Okay. And she had lung damage. and I mean, she still, she still runs, but mm-hmm. um, she couldn't run like that after. So it was always a concern. So it's permanent lung damage. Yeah, and there's, oh, wow. there's some weird stuff, too, where they've found, um, just based on research, that you, it's... Um, the chance of lung damage is increased with high or exposure to um, high oxygen concentrations. Okay. So just just always breathing, just deep breathing, just athletic breathing, pretty much. Well, right? more like um, like I'm not really supposed to go scuba diving. Um, uh, <laughs> true story. <laughs> is that what it's so just straight pure oxygen? Or even like um, if they put you in the hospital, if they can avoid like if you have something where you're having difficulty breathing. Right. If they can avoid giving you oxygen, it's suggested that they should. Okay. Okay. So oh. I, I think I'm fine though because I punctured a lung a while ago and they had me on oxygen. Real? How'd you puncture a lung? <laughs> racing bikes. Did you bikes. get shot? Oh no. No. <laughs> okay. no I, I was racing bikes and uh, I cracked. A couple ribs and one of them punctured my lungs. So. Oh wow! How did that feel? Like it's I can't only that, no. <laughs> did you? Oh man, that's crazy. So people ask me, they say, "Okay, what percentage are you at physically after your accident?" And I say, uh, "I'm not as fit as I was before the accident, but I'm more mentally strong, and I think that's more of an advantage." So, do you think beating cancer made you a better competitive cyclist? Like, are there any just great question mental strength things you gained through going through that um yeah no I definitely think like um like I used to be a lot more uh just like oh you know I'll do it when I do it like as far as as training hard or getting better or even just you know doing certain races it was very like ah you know I'm young I'm healthy I'm you know I'm 22 whatever right and then after chemo like and especially you know with cancer like you don't there's there's even that chance that you'll, um, you know, like you'll have a recurrence. Mm-hmm. So I think I was just a lot more on top of things then. I was like, this is, you know, now now I have time and I don't know how much time I have, so right. I might as well do it. Um, but even like with, uh, with Wolfpack, I'd been putting off doing the marathon crash race for, you know, a year or two. Oh, okay. And in 2012, when I finally did it, I was actually only like, I think... Um, like two months out of chemo or something. Oh, wow. Okay. But yeah. it was just one of those things where it's like, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Did you, did you win that one? Was yeah. Was that I the won. one that you won? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. Two months out of coma and you won dog tags at Wolfpack Hustle. That's amazing. Phenomenal. How did your body change throughout the process of this? Um, <laughs> just, I, I got really out of shape and it's not just from not like, or like after, I mean, during. Um, yeah. So just throughout the process, um, Weight-wise, muscle-wise, um, did your body type change at all? Like a pre-Lance Armstrong cancer looked a lot different than a post. Um, when I went through my accident, I lost 30 pounds, a lot of muscle. So how did your body type change throughout the ordeal? So I lost a lot of muscle mass. I was I was just in really good shape. And, you know, I just started riding and racing, too. I think I'd owned a bike maybe maybe a year oh. before that. And uh, But I'd always just, in my adult life, I... Um, I'd been swimming a lot, and then uh, I lifted at school. So she I was lifts. in the gym. You're a triathlete, is what you're saying. That's cool. I, I don't run. <laughs> Only when chased, right? <laughs> if I'm missing the train, I might run. She lifts. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely I like lifting a lot. It's you know I've That's always cool. enjoyed that. Um, 
And uh, so I lost a lot of muscle mass immediately. And then when the steroids really started kicking in, everything was just pot. Like I looked like, um, like a, almost like a watermelon a little, just my skin was really taut. Huh. And it, you know, my boss actually asked me at one point, like, cause, uh, she said I looked like I'd had my breasts augmented like right after. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, everything was just swollen and, you know, mm. I just looked, I just looked like squishy. I used to tell people I looked squishy. Just soft. Um, mm. and then after, um, yeah, uh-huh. I, uh, for a while I stayed just kind of pudgy and not very muscular, but there was like a a month maybe in I finished chemo at the end of January and then I think in July mm-hmm. I just lost f- like 15 pounds without trying without wow like it must have been in like maybe a month a month and a half I just mm-hmm. got really lean mm-hmm. out of nowhere like it, mm. nobody really and then then I was really lean for a little while and my body I think it finally kind of found a a balance where it wanted to be again mm-hmm. and then I was just kind of a normal person but for a right. while I was really skinny after cancer right you I think the, the drugs, they um, they do weird things to you. Whenever, each time I've had surgery, you can just feel yourself kind of sweating it out. You feel sluggish, lethargic. And I think maybe with chemo drugs, they're causing something in the muscles to retain water or fat. Mm-hmm. You were saying that uh, you kind of fell into a little depression for a little bit. What was your light at the end of the tunnel? What helped you turn around from this entire thing? Other than the doctor saying, oh, you look like you're doing great, you're doing better... What else kind of helped you power through this? Um, a lot of it was just like treating myself. Like um, they within chemo clinics, a lot of times they'll have like um, like mentors or volunteers who have been through the process and okay. survived, and they'll come in and kind of talk to you and you know just let you know that like it's possible that you're gonna be fine. Right. So um, when I started, there was this woman who'd come in. This woman, Jules, who. Uh, was a volunteer and she immediately right off the bat you know she's like if you have any questions I'll answer them and she told me at one point she was like because I asked I was like well you know like what do you do what do you eat like uh how do you take care of yourself during this and she's like you do whatever makes you feel good like you eat she's like I gave myself permission to eat whatever I want like I can get lean and fast and you know because she was she was a runner as well uh, okay so I can get lean and fast and whatever when I when I'm done but like at the time I just if I felt like eating ice cream or I felt like going for a burrito, I'd do that. And she, yeah. you know, and she also kind of mentioned like, you know, you buy yourself little gifts and you, okay. you kind of try and find things that make you happy on an everyday basis because uh-huh. that's to the, it gets to the point where it's all you have. What kind of shit did you buy yourself? Oh, just all sorts of weird. Like what? Weird. What's the, what do you remember? Um, I actually stopped buying a lot of clothing because clothing shopping was really stressful. Cause I just, I put on like 15 pounds. So, uh, okay. Um, so I, I kind of lived in like sweats for a while, which okay. was totally fine. So you um, like Nike tracksuits, Adidas tracksuits, <laughs> like quite. what were you into? <laughs> like yoga pants and okay. t-shirts. All right. But I'd buy myself like fun stuff. Like I bought myself a pair of fuzzy slippers, which became my chemo slippers. So I'd oh, wear them wow. in the clinic and a lot of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into World of Warcraft, so really, I had a couple like a... Uh, max leveled characters at the time because i had so much time too like i just i wasn't really well enough to go do stuff that uh you know i normally would and then plus like you spend three or four hours in a chemo clinic Mm -hmm. with nothing to do like they have wi-fi so you just hook up to the wi-fi right 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 yeah i've heard of people uh selling their world of warcraft like for real dollars really so that'd be a rad story if you sold (laughs) nothing like that bought a fixie with it wow no it was (laughs) that was was a story 
You should have said that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll that edit up. it in. You yeah, definitely yeah. sold your World of Warcraft for a Chanel. Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's cool. I That's... mean, and the other thing is, I knitted and crocheted like crazy oh. through chemo. Just I was I made so much bizarre, just random shit out of yarn. <laughs> you have some uh, some knitted bibs, don't you? Knitted bibs? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, what do I have? I have some weird stuff though. What'd you knit? I did make my ex boyfriend. All of the Angry Birds characters out of yarn. What? Um, I made an entire plate of crochet sushi, and then really? I started him a cactus garden for his office. So a I had all these crochet garden. cactuses. Yeah. We, we <laughs> That's cool. This, uh, we hear about this ex-boyfriend. I'm sure you've got a lot of suitors on, in the worldwide that, that just worship the fixie fame you've cultivated. There are a lot of guys that want to ride with you. Yeah, so I love that pickup line. So, is that like the fixie version of Netflix and chill? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so do you want to you wanna go for a ride sometime? Yeah. We can Strava together. Maybe keep yours on private. We'll keep it private until we're official. That's funny. That's cool. Man, knitting. I, I mean, I wish I could knit. I've watched my sisters knit. I watched my mom sew. You should make a jersey. You should, I wish I'm going to. I haven't. I've just mainly done like boring stuff. Like, I've done some pretty interesting scarves. I did like a um, a scarf with the white tree of Gondor from Lord of the Rings on it once. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that went to another ex boyfriend, not not the ex boyfriend who was with me during chemo, but um, just stuff like that. Okay. Uh, Listen, you're making things for your ex-boyfriends. I'm not your ex-boyfriend, but I want something, too. Okay, and I think Ronnie wants something, if I want something, yeah, too. I need some, some knitted bibs. Okay, I want, I I want a knitted jersey. The knitted jersey, I've actually seen them. They look really cool. So really? Work. Okay. What sort of chamois are you going to put in the knitted bibs? <laughs> I just I'm don't foresee this. that being comfortable. Like, that's really going to rub on I some stuff. I need to seamless kits. You can get a run for their money. yarn that could make it comfortable, right? Should I make it out of, like... Like uh, Angora yarn or something. I don't know what that is, but yes. if it's soft, then alpaca yes. alpaca yarn is really really if soft. I lived on an alpaca farm. You know, we you used to get the alpaca yeah. farm. Where was that? Oh, I heard In you Vista. shaved the alpacas, and that was kind of like. Just as somebody that breaks horses needs to be super tough, I heard you were in charge of shaving the alpacas. That's not real. It fixy rumors, I tell you. I was around for a shearing day, which was like twice a year, and around, uh, running it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is the noisiest, most annoying experience. Cause like my door was, I had like a granny flat, and my door just opened like maybe like twenty feet from the pens. What is an alpaca? Just in case people don't know what an alpaca is, what kind of animal is it? It's like a small, soft llama. Okay. They're like will it spit in you? Or will it spit they on like, you? They like kind of, but they more just drool. Okay. <laughs> it's essentially like like a miniature. Dotson that is bred and it's like it's going to be no more than 11 pounds okay. and then the alpaca grows and it's like spitting 30 feet instead of just 20 <laughs> so it's landing in your bed. Can a horse kick you? Like is that something to be afraid of? Uh, yeah but their feet are soft sold. So okay. It's like it's you don't want to get kicked by an alpaca but like it's not as bad as getting kicked by a horse by any means and they're really really shy animals like really shy animals. Really? Until they're not. I, I guess. Until they're spitting and kicking. Seriously. I've seen so many videos of people getting just horse kicked, and it is terrifying. So I, when I see big animals, I grew up on a farm too. We had some horses. My dad would ride the horses. My mom would ride the horses. I never got on it. 
Never got it. I was terrified. I was just like, no, no. He could horse kick us at any time, and I'm not <laughs> ready for that. A lot of my friends grew up on farms. One of my friends got horse kicked in the stomach. Okay, so you're just hanging out with these guys, and you're like hearing these crazy stories. You're like, no, nah, I'm not ready for that. You know? <laughs> I'm not ready but for think that. I think if it's, it's soft-soled, you've got this you know, comfortable, cozy alpaca, and he's just giving you a nice nudge to the gut. That, that doesn't yeah. sound half bad. A nudge at 25 miles an hour at least. Let's see if they even get close enough. They're like cats though. Like they are seriously just like. Mm. Uh huh. Okay. Very. I, I used to go in and like clean the pens. Okay. And uh, like I'd just be in there, and like if I was in one end of the pen, a lot of times they'd like Jump migrate the to the other end. Okay. Just because they they really were a little nervous about people. It, it took them a long time to warm up, even to um, the woman that was running the farm. Wow. Would you ever spit back? Because, I mean, that's going to be my kind of, my gut impulses. When an alpaca spits at me, like, I'm spitting back. They're like, how dare you? And you just kind of get a loo going and spit back in his face. I've never spit on an alpaca. Have you ever spit on an animal? I don't think so. No. Okay. I, <laughs> Ex-boyfriend. <laughs> We're wondering how these end. We're talking about them, too. <laughs> spit that frappuccino on the guy. Yeah. Take your, your I, socks. I don't think I've ever spit on any anyone on purpose yeah well on the peloton i think we've all probably spit on somebody at some point i don't know that i have huh. i don't i've seen people do that on the bike path like i've been riding with people and then yeah. there's somebody coming up and then you just hit a movie and then yeah. somebody else catches it yeah. i like, might have snot rocketed on a couple people in my nice. lifetime that's definitely something that's happened if you snot rocket around the right people joe they might just pick it up and collect it you know what i'm saying yeah and just be like hey, they might even try and clone you god i mean we made dolly the clone in the 90s and we didn't hear anything more about that it was that it's was like it. they didn't stop they're just doing it on the low it's like they got the movie the island they're making uh, clones of rich people for as an insurance policy there's a joe salso being cloned right oh now that's gosh. gonna be riding 10 years from just now just one just one no we need just one we're still in 2015 yeah so yeah just one for now I'm sorry, Joe. She's fixing That's pretty a... hard in Thailand right now. I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You're, when you actually see the person face to face and think it's your child, then that's when you really need to feel. <laughs> so, is that too much? It's a little too sidetracked. Yeah. This is the future. It is. So, what other questions? We have a lot of questions. We want to talk about a lot. You, um, I don't. We talked about it earlier, but uh, you told us how you got started in cycling. Uh, what you were doing other sports what how did you really get interested in cycling what other sports were you involved in before you decided because you said you're an athlete before you really decided to get in cycling how did you did your dad buy you a bike at 22 no I, I bought myself a bike um I was actually really unathletic until like mid to late high school oh wow and then I was running just for fitness which I realized I hated yeah I hate running too um, yeah runners are kind of weird <laughs> I feel like I don't know how to run correctly. That's why I don't like running. Um, You're human, man. Yeah. You don't know how to run correctly. It just hurts. It hurts. It's, it's awful. Like when you get fit at running, though, it's pretty. It's pretty incredible. Like be able to go out and run at like a sprint pace for three miles. Right. Do you or get I a could just ride my you get that oh my Gosh, yeah. I like to say that the high for running is so much pure. Like I don't like running nowadays because I kind of have like a rumpus room that's. Got a lot of wattage cottage in it. Okay. I, mean. I know that I means a larger butt. Junk in the trunk. <laughs> trunk, trunk junk. He twerks it for you fixie ladies out there. Oh, my gosh. He might have been twerking all day on, during the ride. Oh, is that, that right? Might have, that favorite, might have been real. Favorite thing about having a freewheel is uh, 
you can't, can't you can't twerk on a fixie. No, you can't. No. No. no, no, you can't fart on a fixie either. Have you ever tried that? <laughs> no, I can definitely fart on a fixie. It's hard. It's no. difficult for me. I'll give you less. Do you have to like do it during a skid? Yeah, <laughs> is that what? It is? <laughs> oh, go salsa. How to rip them while skidding? <laughs> rip them while skidding. Yeah. No pun intended. I don't know. I don't know. I've never tried. Okay. Brown and breakless. Is that another meaning of brown and breakless? <laughs> brown and breakless. <laughs> oh man, Ronnie. So, uh, yeah, tell us about the sports, please. Um, yeah, no, I, I never had really done anything super competitive. I, uh, I was dancing for a while. I was a belly dancer, oh, nice. which was never you said something. a belly dancer. Yeah, not, not ballet, like okay. Middle Eastern, belly you know, dancing. stomach rolling, nice. bells on your fingers, that Just kind of thing. What is your heritage, by the way? I'm sure people are wondering. I'm half Filipino, and then my mom's from Australia, but she's very white, so... Filipino and Australian. So you can see, I mean, those are only, what, a thousand, two thousand miles away? It's your dad. He's sailing away. a ship. My, my parents are pretty cool. Like, uh, they're actually, neither of them are from the U.S. My dad came over when he was really young, like, one with his, his whole family migrated, and then my mom. Right. I want to say in her early 20s, she mm-hmm. came from Australia. Filipinos are great people. They are. I uh, shot usually. a Filipino party usually. <laughs> I shot a Filipino party just the other day, and I've never really been around that, like, just a cluster. That's what I like about being a photographer, because I feel like I'm in places I'm really not supposed to be, you know? And it was a friend's. She was celebrating her grandmother's 86th birthday, and the entire Filipino community, like, seemed like they were there at this really nice place in Granada Hills. And it just really nice. I mean... I've seen how nice, everybody's nice, but I just, I feel like I don't do enough or I haven't hung out with enough Filipinos. Is that bad? Oh, I should, yeah. (laughs) Mm, I don't know. I actually don't know a whole lot of, I have friends that are Filipino, but Mm -hmm. it's not like, um, maybe I just don't think about it either because like, you know, I've spent holidays at my my grandmother's house and so, I mean, I know a little bit more, I guess, than most people, but like, I don't even know. Where'd you, where did you say you grew up, Joe? I, I grew up in San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have like an endurance sports background at all? Or no. what, what makes you good at cycling? Because I feel like you're a cool story in that one. You survived cancer. Right. You survived a very traumatic injury on the track, puncturing your lung. And it's not like you have this superhuman DNA. You're just someone that has been um, consistently busting their butt. You know, champions are made when no one's looking. And you're obviously doing something right. So to kind of spur people on, what what's the what's the secret? If you could, if you could offer a couple, you know, keys to what has allowed you to have so much success in such a short amount of time, rattle a couple off for us. I mean, I think you just have to love it. Like, uh, it makes me happy. Sometimes it doesn't make me happy on like an everyday level. Sometimes I'm exhausted and kind of frustrated, and I just want to go back to bed. But. Uh, Overall, like, um, it opened up a lot of doors for me. Like, um, even, even before I was cycling, I met one of my close friends, um, in the weights room. Okay. And, uh, I've, I've actually met quite a few friends just doing athletic things. And I, I feel like they're just kind of, the people I meet working out just tend to be happier. So maybe I think they've got a little bit more and en- more endorphins going on mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, they're taking care of themselves. Um, some rude fit people. Yeah, there's there's definitely those out there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but with cycling, especially the community is just awesome. Like mm-hmm. everyone I know now, I think uh, that I talk to on a regular basis rides. Like um, all of my best friends, um, 
pretty much everyone I've dated in the past five years has been a cyclist. You hear that, gentlemen? She only dates cyclists, okay? So guess what? Line up. <laughs> How fit? How fit? Is there a minimum fitness that a dude needs? Body percentage, please. For gentlemen callers. No more than 7% body fat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Minimum 700 watts for a minute. Oh, you know, um... What do you, what do you like in the, in the dude? Do you like black guys? What? I'm just kidding. I'm just as horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. That's horrible. <laughs> are you black? Is this a lot of black? Are you... I, you're, more of a, I, you're more of a caramel. I'm caramel, yeah. I like to call myself... Um, I like to call myself a, call myself a bunch of things. Chocolate ganache. Do you know what ganache is? It's like this really like lovely uh, chocolate, yeah, stuff. chocolate stuff. Really yeah. dark, melty. That's my thing. That's your color. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. African chocolate ganache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean it's like um, I don't know. What, like, do you, what do you what do you find attractive in men? Would you say for all the, the fanboys? And this stuff. isn't a day show. We're just playing, but we're curious at the same time. I honestly, I mean, it's probably the same things I'd find attractive in guys who didn't ride, but um, okay. for the most part, it's just like similar interests, things to talk about. Um, I like really, um, I tend to like really liberal people in general, mm-hmm. um, really, and very liberal, very feminist people in general. Okay. So, because um, it's, it's just easier by a lot to not have to explain my beliefs to someone every time we go out or do something right right and you are feminist right yeah i identify as very feminist i feel like that's almost did you ask him what he found attractive are we gonna ask no yeah i don't i don't think you would at all yeah um I feel like that's kind of a more benign question, but like, uh, there's even this video that's floating around lately on the internet. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but they're, they take all of these male athletes and they start asking them questions that female athletes actually get asked. Really? And it's stuff like, how do you feel your recent weight gain has affected your athletic performance? Or, um, can you tell us about your outfit today? You know, that kind of thing. Really? Yeah. Oh, I've never seen that. That's that's funny and stupid at the same time. Oh uh, yeah, it's um and it, they do it so perfectly just because they really find these questions that are almost in the context they place them in, which is asking these male athletes. It's right. kind of it seems unbelievable. It seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like why would you ask a man like to tell you about what he's wearing for an athletic event? Right, right. Like Ron, Ronnie, will you tell me about your jersey today? Yeah. Yes, yes. This is uh, this is H and M. I'm the same height and weight as a runway model, so nice. I don't have to get any of my suits tailored. They nice. cost next to nothing, and you're gonna look like at least half a million bucks. I'm not gonna go full milli, but half. Half. <laughs> yeah, but that would be ridiculous. Um, there's this other advertisement, and it's I believe. Nike or Dove, I'm not sure, but it says run like a girl, and they're asking young girls to run Sounds like, like a girl. Nike. And they Sounds do like this, Nike. they do this very dainty, exaggerated run, and they say, "Okay, now you run. Show us how you run," and then they confront them, looking to elicit a kind of a light bulb moment. And the difference in like how they're running like a girl is very exaggerated and cartoonish. And then how you run and like, well, you're a girl. Why is run like a girl different? She's like, just be strong. You look very strong. You look very fit when you run. So it kind of ties in with uh, with one of our questions is um, you mentioned like the this idea that you have of the disgruntled female cyclists. 
addendum. It's kind of a, uh, a checklist of things that need to be talked about. We can get into it more later on, but it just kind of ties in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Something that I, I wanted to talk to you about was the discrepancies that you possibly face in racing. You know, something that uh, jumped out at us on your blog was that you said that uh, men often, they pretty much... I'm sorry, I didn't yeah, go on the mic. Great yeah, stuff, by the way, on the on the blog. It's quite articulate and offers a very unique perspective. What is your blog what? URL, by the way? What's the website? Oh, it's a WordPress blog. It's um, Amazon on Bicycle. Amazon on Amazon Bicycle? On bicycle? Yeah. Okay. okay. Is it on a bicycle? I think it might be on a bicycle. Okay. I don't ever actually log in that so, way. So, so it's WordPress dot Amazon, Amazon on a bicycle? No, it's no. Amazon on a bicycle dot WordPress. But yeah, I um, it's actually kind of weird. I, I started using that as a uh, originally as kind of a way to track my my cancer experience, oh, is and that right? then um, I I don't post that much, but I do occasionally use it as a platform to either address something that really bothers me, okay. or um, you know, I I get to it when I when I feel like I want to say something. So it's right. it's nice to kind of have that extra extra form of communication to express my opinions yeah that's true we've heard these, these kind of crazy stories of of men just acting out and acting a fool while on a group ride or in a race with a woman so i know uh, jackie price dunn um, she passed away in a tragic cycling crash um, at the track she would race with the men i've heard of other girls racing and, and even um, pro one two races with the men um so we heard of guys dropping out or faking a crash or a mechanical in order to not be beat by a girl, which in the industry, there's this term, it's called getting chicked. Um, so guys are afraid of getting beat by a woman, and so they drop out. What has been your experience Have you ever that? chicked some dudes? Yeah, I mean... Well, speaking of, today yeah. at uh, Feel My Legs in a Racer on climb number four or five... Um, all of a sudden I hear just very delicate breathing coming up my left and my right. And, and you, well, just all that to say is they weren't going that hard. Right. And I had like, I had attacked, um, and was like not recovering, but I was going full gas and, um, yourself and Jen Whalen of, uh, was she spy last year and Aventone unfixed came up on both sides of me almost as if you like planned it. <laughs> and we're putting the hurt on me for a second, so we call that getting chicked. Um, fortunately, the the hill level that was able to sneak away, but um, it's pretty pretty incredible what what ladies on a bike that are trained and putting in the work can do. It's it's almost an equalizer. Like I'm sure you beat men all the time. What? Yeah. Why do you? Or yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, it's like, I mean, even like today, like I'm not the fastest one up the climbs, but like um. You did. You did win. So I would. Well, you know, with with amongst the women, but gotcha. You know, in the context of overall, but I'm definitely stronger than some guys, and that's always kind of been the case as long as I've been, you know, training officially. So, uh, like, I I definitely um, I've had experiences too where it always kind of feels like um, not always, but a lot of times you'll have like one or two guys that just don't like being beaten by women and uh they'll a lot of times they'll come up with excuses i've been on a group ride before where i just felt way too much like there was this one guy trying to so badly to just be ahead of me at all times in the ride that at one point he came around so desperately that he crashed himself out mm-hmm. that's, um, crazy. that's crazy i mean there's just stuff like that uh it's a lot of um 
Like, you know, I feel like with men, there's a little bit less excuses, like, that aren't like, oh, you know, like, with men, they're just like, oh, you know, if I were a little fitter. But with women, it's a lot of times you'll hear guys say, like, oh, you know, like, like, this guy got in the way, or, yeah, like, man, I'm like, yeah, I was out late, or, like, I just, you know, like. Work's been really rough. Yeah. And the kids. So, it it always feels a little bit like, um, in their head, they need a good excuse for a woman to be faster to perform better than they do. And are they, are they saying it to you or just sometimes? Yeah. I mean, I've had stuff too, where like, um, I was doing a training ride, a group training ride on a Saturday and, uh, the sprint came up and I was there and I, I didn't do super well in the group sprint, but like this guy wanted the wheel I was on and I took it before he did. Mm -hmm. And afterwards he started complaining to everyone that I stole his wheel and then like, fell off the sprint what a weenie. What a weenie. really and it was just like i mean it's in like my head i'm like, like a practice ride. well yeah no it totally was it wasn't even like a particularly like demanding practice you know ride name? no <laughs> i've roasted in my defense guest. too <laughs> in my defense too this guy um it was like one of the only times i think i ever saw him he might have been even from out of town and when he complained or i guess in his defense when he complained uh to the group almost everyone kind of gave him dirty looks <laughs> So, going to the idea of, like, these guys getting chicked by you. I remember I was covering a race at Tour de Naranja, and um, just riding on the back of Shazad's motorcycle, getting footage of all the riders in the race, which was a big race done by OC Breakless, um, touring Orange County, I noticed, you know, it was you, um, Kim Nonstop, and Esther, Right. And uh, the guys, you guys were you guys were drafting each other. You guys were doing some pretty decent teamwork, you know, but some guys tried to not only get into your draft, but when, when they couldn't like make your wheel, they were so frustrated and kind of pissed like, oh, you know, and I and I saw it in their face and I thought it was really interesting just going back to the idea of just I could just see the little disappointment on their face. They really couldn't say anything to you because obviously, obviously you guys put in the work. You know, but uh, I just, I think it's interesting. Personally, I would love a girl that could ride faster than me in my life. Just so I can learn, you know? It's, this is one of those things with, like, gender, too. Like, um, like I think when, like, as far as, like, relationships go, like, when men date faster women, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of screwy, like, a their guy friends will sometimes kind of playfully but like steadily give them shit for it. That's like, fucked oh, up. How, you know, <laughs> your girlfriend's stronger than you. How's it feel? Your girlfriend kick your ass today? Like That's crazy. And like, you know, I've seen I've seen guys talk to the guys I've dated before like that and it's Really? Yeah. I mean, I went I went on a date a little while ago with mm-hmm. someone who rides. And we you know, we met riding or we met through bikes. Mm-hmm. But we never rode together before and uh, he's relatively strong, but he went out of his way to kind of like like, you, you know, when someone asks me to, like, when a guy asks me to go riding, I'm always kind of like, oh, whatever. And like, I, usually I have to kind of be the one that's like, if you invite me to ride, we're going to ride. Like, we're yeah. not going to, like, gently pedal to a meadow and then, like, sit and picnic. Like, we're going to ride. Right. So, you know, like, I was kind of thinking, like, this guy's like, yeah, you know, like, we're going to go on a bike ride. This was, um, this was actually up north, um, somewhere where I hadn't really rode before. Okay. So I thought he was going to take me on this, like, romantic tour of, like... You know, like romantic afternoon ride through the hills, uh-huh. and uh, this guy just pedaled so hard.
word. Yeah. Like, and I guess I'd asked him after, and I guess he was really self-conscious about, Getting you know, he checked. knew that I was strong. And he, he, well, it was, I think it was more just along the lines that he was afraid that, he, you know, I would be unimpressed or less interested if I, like, was factually slower. Okay. So, um, but I, I do kind of see it, too, like, um. I think for a lot of guys, it's stressful to date someone who's not as fast as they are because then there's this constant like, oh, well, mm-hmm. and I don't, you know, of course, I'm never going to get that. Like, I'm never going to date a guy who's faster than me and have my female friends go like, oh, did you take you out and kick your ass today? Right. Like, you know, we don't do that. So right. <laughs> um, I can see why that's, there's definitely like a. I could, I could imagine that being like um, dating, I guess, a, a lady like Ronda Rousey, almost, right? Where she's killing it in the game, right? But I love some of her quotes. You're, she has some really good quotes. But like you, as, your, as her spouse or just partner, you're not as on top as she is. So the idea of her being able to just like armbar you and break your shit is very, very doable. You know, and that can kind of get into a guy's head like, you know, oh man, she could just, she'll put the pace on me whenever she wants. And it's, I guess, to me, it seems like a control thing. I can see kind of guys that bothering guys because they want to feel in control. And the idea that you being able to put the pace on those men kind of takes that control out of their hands. So I could see it being hard almost, you know, just talking from a guy's perspective a little bit. But I don't see it as a control issue for me. It's an ego thing as well. You know, what do you think, Ron? Man, I'll be Ron when I'm 50. Okay. <laughs> are, are we calling you Ron right now? Ron. Kind of into this, not gonna lie. You sound like you've been <laughs> sipping whiskey or something, calling me Ron. Ron. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. I often wonder if, uh, if it's a non-issue to girls, if they're like, okay, I don't care if a guy's fitter than me because there's so much more to life than just being really really ridiculously good looking no there's so much more to life than being really really fit Mm -hmm. and i think girls don't care about it as much and then for guys it's just going to be an insecurity thing and it's going to tap into that Um, i'm thinking could i could i date a girl that was fitter than me or like a ronda rousey like a, a woman that could rear naked choke and just make me tap out no double entendre intended um yeah, I think I certainly could. Um, I try it. I think. <laughs> see, maybe maybe it's the answer. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe I couldn't because in my head I'm thinking, well, she wouldn't be fitter for long because I'm gonna be so motivated. Yeah. To, like train with her. Exactly. So I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I definitely could, but then it, for me, there's two types of cyclists. There's a cyclist that gets beat and then goes home crying, feels bad for himself, never rides or races again. And then there's a second type that gets beat and then does everything in their power to make sure that it never happens again. Right. And I'm uh, that second cyclist. You know, it's like the two mice in a jar of milk, you know, churned and churned. And first one gave up and drowned. The second one's like, no, I'm going to swim. And he churned and churned, turned it into butter, and then he walked out. Mm -hmm. It's like, be that second mouse. (laughs) Yeah. I put butter on my toes this morning. It was great. I don't use butter often. Yeah, and yeah. mice probably made it. I would say eighty, uh, a nine out of ten, just like Hodgkin's lymphoma. There's a nine out of ten chance that 
That yeah. might have yeah. butter that you put on okay. What? What's so funny? <laughs> <laughs> I had to think for a second. It's like, now I'm certain that you're both shirtless and drinking whiskey right now. Yeah, but yeah. I, I put, nice segue, Dean. I put butter on my nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, I was waiting for you to like, kind of like cruise back on topic and it just kept going. No, that was it. Just further and further yeah. from where we were, t- yeah, what we were talking about. Gosh. It, that's from uh, Catch Me If You Can. The father's talking to his son, and he gives him some good life advice. He's like, why do the Yankees always win? It's like they can't take their eyes off the pinstripes. So the life lesson is like, dress sharp. It's an unfair life advantage. I just saw that movie the other day. Yeah. yeah. And so he's that. like, it's a good Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Two mice climbed into you know, a jar of milk. Yeah. The first one soon gave up and drowned. Mm-hmm. The second one. He churned and churned and he churned and he swam and he churned some more and he made Dean's breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell us, tell us about, about DFC. What is DFC? Disgruntled Female Cyclist Addendum. That's a $12 word if I ever saw it. I didn't know how to Don't pronounce panic. it. Don't I, panic. So it's something okay. on your blog we stumbled over and that blog again is... Um, Amazon on a bicycle. Amazon on a WordPress. I'm it's surprised. I'm surprised you guys soon. found this. Like I didn't know anyone read this. Were, uh, Yvette Lopez we digs deep. That's what our producer does. Do okay. You, do you ever get uh, people just like strangers reaching out to you saying like, "Hey, you really touched me. You inspired me. I'd like to hear like you know, your your side of that." Well, you know, the one thing, the one time I did have a lot of people who I didn't know go like, "Hey, I read your blog. I um." It was actually after Brooklyn this year, and I posted something just, um, there was a lot of weird media, like, around the women's race, and it was really focused on the way women looked, and then, like, we were kind of an afterthought a lot of times, like, just in the way people, especially on social media, were talking about Mm -hmm. women's racing, Mm -hmm. and I wrote this kind of scathing response about how hard it is for us to, like, jump into a sport where we weren't really welcome originally, and try and make an exciting race, Mm -hmm. um, like... It's like we, and you know, I've said this before and like other, like, you know, previously to friends or previously to, to um, interviewers, like, sometimes I feel like we could be like bunny hopping lava pits in a race <laughs> mm-hmm. and people would just be like, oh, but it's women's racing. Like, yeah, just by virtue of it being women's racing, we couldn't possibly be doing something exciting or it couldn't possibly be as interesting. Trooper, she was so hot. It would not be like she really crushed a lot. Unless pits. we did it in bikinis. Like if we did it in bikinis, everyone would pay attention. But that'd um, be too much. That lava dough. That, <laughs> that no, much. I mean, like all of a sudden, if women's bodies are on display, people are like, yeah. "Oh wow!" Like, yeah, it's like volleyball. Yay. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, re- I read something. The no podium boys. Excuse me. No podium girls. Is right. the solution <laughs> to have podium boys? Let's run through this. What are your thoughts? I'd love to be a podium boy. Do you, Do you like suit up? Here's my thing. If we have podium boy or if we have podium girls, we should have podium boys. I'm not suggesting necessarily Amen. we have either, I but I also think that we should dress the podium boys up as ridiculously as we yeah. dress podium Super girls up and have them always. From cyclocross, that'll definitely fit in well. Okay, now you're saying as ridiculous. The podium girls that I've seen were just really nice and like Hillary Clinton pantsuits almost. You know, so you're saying like what podium girls have you seen? Dude, you <clears> see, like when I was in Italy. At one point, the podium girls were like, they were in jerseys and they were in these like latex pants. And I kid you not, like, they had their their heels must have been like four or five inches, just like really? insane. Like, 
I was just having Nicki trouble. Nicki Minaj stilettos almost. Yeah, like, I uh-huh. can't imagine walking in those things. And, you know, just tons of makeup all done up. And that's kind of, mm-hmm. like, you'll see that. And then you'll also see girls in, like, these little tiny dresses, handed I've stuff seen those. out. I've seen those. I mean, even dresses. when you look at, like, the Tour de France, like, their podiums, like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of freaking creepy. Like, they take these two girls that look similar and they dress them up exactly the same. So they almost look like twins. Like, it's very, very much objectifying women. Right, right, right. I heard... I heard an argument that they should be both podium boys and podium girls, or what is the term? Podium uh, presenters. There's another term that they use. Should be athletes. So the, the podium girls need to be cyclists and the podium boys. And maybe even adjusting it to having it be the previous winner from the year before or something interesting like that to where it's actually an athlete. It's just not a, a sexual objectification because, I mean, you had the whole incident with um, a famous male cyclist um, being a little handsy on what the was, podium. What was his name? Sagan. Um, oh, oh, Sagan, so right? We're, yeah. Um, Just say it. What, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. I mean, we've roasted enough people. We got into the <laughs> I don't, I don't think Sagan's really going to lose sleep over you guys. Yeah. So the current Roasting. world champion, he, he's very young. Not that it's ever excusable, but I think he's, what, 22? Okay. This half maybe is 21. Uh-huh. So he's just catapulted in, into fame, top um, cyclist in the world, top sprinter. So he's, he's on the podium a lot. And he um, got handsy with a podium girl while in, like, second or third place. I think Fabian Consolaro won. And he just he grabbed her uh, her rumpus room, and so he took a lot of flack for that. Had to offer a forced apology. May have not been genuine. Whatever. Um, what are your thoughts, Joe? Shed some light. Should we cut his hand off? Sharia law. Well, okay. Coming to the tour. Not that this is like any excuse, but like, I can see like like when we go out to Europe, like there's definitely it's still like very much a man's world. Like not mm. in any way saying that. Even in the U.S., we have gender equality, but and especially socially. But like over in Europe, like it's it's always kind of a trip when I go over to Europe because mm-hmm. it's very still you know very much a man's world and um, right. it's weird when I go over there too because you know I'm from California, I'm from San Diego, so you know we run around in like shorts and you know, like crop tops and whatever, and it's not a thing. Like we just I'm always comfortable here. <laughs> I, I don't ever worry about like here. It's not. Like, I I feel comfortable going out in whatever I want to wear. And right. Nobody's right. going to, like, cat call me or grope me and right. act like it's invited because I'm dressed that way. Whereas in Europe, there's it's still this sense still, of... It's that open still. You'll see guys, like, calling and girls like that. I have that a friend. It in the States. It happens in I mean, States. it does. It, 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 but when you, you get... You gotta go in the right neighborhood. <laughs> when you get cat called um, here, like, I feel like it's... A lot of people are like, really? And then, you know, like, even for me, like, when I get catcalled, I'm not afraid to turn around and be like... What's up, bro? What'd like, you say? Yeah, yeah. like, you know, screw off. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Go away. That's mm-hmm. interesting, because Europe's kind of billed as being very progressive. Yeah. Yeah. And forward-thinking almost, right? I hear that, but I, I... Just as far as gender stuff goes, and especially, like, um, I have friends over there that have even expressed that they feel like it's still relatively backwards in that way Mm -hmm. uh one of the girls that actually races red hook um i guess got groped i mean she's similar to me in that she dresses you know american Mm -hmm. and uh i guess she got groped at a party and was told that if she didn't want to get groped she shouldn't have been dressed that way yeah feminist 101 that's not yeah it's it's 
It's in especially in a country like that in a weird situation like I mean I don't know what to say I wouldn't know what to say I the argument is like if you dress a certain way you're trying to get raped is like right. the extreme of that and it's just re- ridiculous but when you're but the thing is let me like talk because you're when you're in a different country like people are thinking so differently people are different you know I went to Africa and I spent some time over there and if you want to talk about like the line between men and women it's no comparison. You know, it was so serious that multiple times by multiple different women, I was asked if I beat women. They go, hey, do you beat women, Ronnie? And it's like, whoa, what? What do you, Why would you even ask me something like that? You know, obviously, it's just one of those things like... I thought it was a legit, legit question. No, 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 no. Only no. when Joe attacks me on stage five, okay. I feel my legs. Then do I beat women. You just get off your bike and throw it at her? Barely. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I only got away because it was... Uh, Semi flat. Right. No, it was like it like it was one of those things like I didn't know what to say. It was so different. It was just I, I having been even giving them my ideas and telling them, it still wouldn't change their thoughts and the things that they've been through. So like this girl that got groped at the party in this was in Italy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or so, it might have, it might have been in Barcelona. Well either way, I mean Italy, Spain, it's like it's somewhere different where they think differently, where they operate differently. And them just straight up saying, Well, she shouldn't have dressed that way. I mean, you know, Welcome that's kind to of the our life. and it's it's weird too because on one hand, like Europe is so like there's still a lot more tradition as far as like the way you treat women, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and on the surface, like I I feel like American women a lot of times you'll see them kind of romanticize it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like oh, but I want a European guy who will take me out for dinner and pull right. out my chair, and uh, you know whatever. But okay. like, it's right. also like that attitude like oh well we're supposed to take care of our women and our women are still like in some. And I'm not saying that they, like, treat their women as property, but there's still that sense of, like, oh, well, I'm, you know, the patriarch of the house. And right, right, right. Ideally, my wife would not have to work or, you know, that kind of more traditional uh-huh. kind of, it's, you know, it's very much outdated in the U.S. or largely outdated in the U.S. to have mm-hmm. that sort of, you know, relationship. Right, 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 right. I hear you. That's, uh, it's wild. It's just, things are different everywhere. It's a, it's a good segue. Um Let's get into the addendum of the disgruntled female cyclists. Please. So, would you like to read them? Is that is that a good way to go for it? Let me uh, let me start off. Um, this is what you wrote. Okay. What is it? The, a disgruntled female cyclist, Joe. If you don't An mind addendum. explaining. I mean, what is that? Well, mean? okay. So everyone's seen like the Illuminati and the rules, right? You know, like the the famous one being Rule Five, um, which is. HTFU. Harden the flip up. What does that mean? <laughs> it means don't be a pansy. Harden the flip up? It, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I get it. I get it. Okay. Keep okay. getting rid of excuses. You know? Okay. You're going to call me no excuses. Like, stop giving excuses and just train harder. Okay. You know, dig if a little rain, more. If it's raining or like, you know, I got dropped from the breakaway because my brakes were rubbing. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, they have, I don't know if you've seen the list, but they have all sorts of rules for how you're supposed to ride or, you know, what you're supposed to do. And Sock it's matching. cheeky. It's, it's a little bit cheeky. I have not. Okay. But it's called that's... the, uh, the Illuminati Velo and then Illuminati. So you've okay. got, you've got the, these rules to where yeah. you're looking to bring change. And what I like about you, Joe, is that you've cultivated excellence in some facet of your life. And with that excellence, you've garnered an audience. And so with this audience, you're seeking to bring about positive change to the world around you. So let it rip. Tell us we can do it. Rule number one. You know, I I felt like at the time when I got into writing, now actually it's kind of cool in San Diego. We have um, 
some women's only groups and some women's led group led groups and it's not perfect but it's definitely way different than when i first started and there there weren't really mm-hmm. any women's like rides to focus on women becoming racers um so the idea of being able to do it to for us to actually get in there and as women actively create a cycling culture for ourselves um it was something I wanted to like encourage people to do one and then to let men know that we are capable of doing that. Like, um, I, it's so cool now too. like in San Diego, when I, when I started racing track, even there was no women's track stuff. Like, uh, we raced with the men if we were fast enough. And if not, we raced with the men on Fridays. And you know, that was, I think there was four of us, um, racing with the men on Tuesday nights or a track night during the summer. Mm -hmm. So there was, you know, there was maybe four of us, and then um, they did a clinic, which was really cool. So we had like a women, like a women's clinic, and it kind of blossomed from there. But now it's really cool in the sense that we have, I mean, we get, we have a women's night once a month, which is kind of, I think, unique as far as tracks go. And we get mm-hmm. what's a women's night called? Is that just what it's called, women's well, night? Well, it's um, so every Tuesday we race, and okay. then on this is at the Velodrome. This San is Diego? this is San Diego, yeah, cool. at Morley Field. Where, um, whereabouts in San Diego is that if people want to look it up? Morley? Uh, Morley. It's Morley. part of Balboa Park. It's okay. their sports complex. Balboa Park. Um, but, like, you know, we race on Tuesday nights, and I, I can race any Tuesday night just because I've always raced with the men. You know, I can, you can survive in a men's field. Nice. Come on. But, um, you got to watch out. They can't get chicked. Yeah. <laughs> you, you will get chicked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah, some of laps. the most exciting races all year that I've had are races where I'm like, like, fighting the guys for a win on the track and track racing is like really informal in san diego like there's not really prizes it's really cheap to do uh-huh. your results don't really go anywhere there's no points but um rumor has it you won one in a full field of men like, yeah I've, I've won a couple wow. couple of men's races but i always feel like people just get a little bit more excited when it's like me and one like i i want a uh, missing out a while ago against a friend of mine so what is a missing out for people that aren't familiar with the track? Um, you start with a group of, you know, you start with a large group or a full field, and then every lap you eliminate the last person across the line. Oh, I just played that Need for Speed. What? what? The video game Need for Speed. Is that real? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you have ten cars, and you're playing online. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> and you're playing online, and you're playing with other riders, and if you're the last one in the lap, then you're, you can't race anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 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 That's essentially the same idea. But we got down to three riders, and I out sprinted everyone or the other two guys. Did you have? Was there any negative response? I think. uh, No. No. Remember you telling me something that got a little weird one time when you won. That's right. So afterwards, um, we were actually we you know we always go out for food after, and. uh, Where's the spot where they're like? It was Lefty's Pizza, and now we go across the street to Underbelly, which is our ramen place, which is, it, I love Underbelly. It's good food, good beer, everything. But it's it's actually kind of the perfect venue for, like, post-track racing. Um, Yelp it, Underbelly, San yeah, Diego, Yeah, no, wonderful. California. It's wonderful. I love it. Um, they don't pay me to say that. I just and, like it. And real quick, okay. is beer a good recovery drink, in your opinion? <laughs> I've always been curious about that. I ask everybody. I tell myself yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when Rasmus was on. Yeah. Was like... He's saying it's a good recovery drink, but I think it's more enjoyment. And, okay. and you, you need to enjoy. I remember um, Lance, in his heyday, was saying, I need to be able to just relax. I can't be so serious that I can't have a beer. If I'm not enjoying my life, I'm not going to want to do this anymore. Well, right. I, I feel right. like you emotionally kind of burn out on racing. Like, if you're that strict where it's like, I don't drink, all I do is train, 
you know, all the time. Like for me, yeah. Uh, Like I I feel like if I kind of crack mid season, it's more because I'm so tired of being hungry and tired and not going out with my friends and not having a beer that I just kind of give up altogether. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, I feel like when you kind of give yourself a little bit more love, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you just, you're more balanced overall and you can, you can have harder days in the long run. Right. Let's, yeah. um, how about this? I, I'm going to say the rule, and then I want you to give a breakdown of what it means, where it came from. So ru- rule number two, women's racing is and probably primarily always will be for the women. So essentially with that, like, um, it's almost like sometimes I'll see women's races presented as these like spectator shows for men, and you see that in the, the way men comment on it. Um, like um, they'll kind of criticize it in weird ways and especially focused on the way women look. But they kind of forget that like we race because it's fun for us, not because we want to impress men. Or be stared at, right? Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and you know, the other thing being that uh, like the other reason I like racing is because not only is it time for me to, to race with my friends or with other women, but also mm-hmm. because hypothetically women can also watch it and enjoy it mm-hmm. you know it's like instead of just watching men who are kind of always treated you know like well that's the men with when you watch women race it's like oh you know like those are my friends or those are people that are like me doing something cool right 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 uh, we were talking touched on ronda rousey earlier and mm-hmm. she is actually the highest paid overall athlete mm-hmm. in the ufc currently right um do you see this as a sign that the tide is changing right. in male-dominated sports? Because she, she's the highest-paid athlete. <clears throat> One of the reasons because she sells tickets. Like, she sells out. She They're having, like, the biggest arenas. Like, she's fighting in the biggest arenas internationally all over the place, you know? And they, they probably, in the beginning, I remember when female fighting, the UFC allowed females to fight. And it took me, I'm a huge fan of the UFC, and it took me a long time to watch it. watch females fight because I didn't I was thinking like really are they really throwing punches as hard are they really doing it like the men are doing it you know but when somebody like Rhonda came around and I heard that she was just killing it every single step of the way I watched a fight and she kills it every single step of the way do you think um, for because I guess Rhonda was that person for the females in the UFC to show, like, this is serious. We're here not just because we want you guys to see us slap each other, but we're here because we can compete, even to the point where, like, she's obviously the highest paid athlete. Do you think there needs to be something for... What What do you think needs to turn in cycling for uh, people or guys to... The, the average spectator to just not think like that? You know, think like, oh, we're just spectating women or, you know. I mean, a lot of it, and I've heard other women kind of consistently say this as well, it's the way we get marketed. Mm-hmm. Like, um, with women's racing, a lot of times we just aren't represented as something to be interested in. You know, they don't give us, if they give us live coverage, they don't give us coverage at prime spots. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody wants to get up and, like... Like, if the men's race, the coverage starts at 7.15, nobody wants to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and watch the women's race. Right. And uh, so, and, you know, there's very little advertisement. It's almost hard to find out a lot of times when they're televising women's races. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely that. 
Um, That's why you're famous in Thailand. It's because of the time change. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, it's just like a, a lot of it is just the way we're represented. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you feel like someone like uh, Ronda Rousey is selling tickets to men? Is that the secret to success? No, not necessarily. I mean, I, I think... think she, yeah, go ahead. Well, one of the things I think is that it's just... Going back to marketing, she's incredibly marketable. Like, she's really exciting to, you know, to watch. What's it's that, like, what's that she going to do next? That phrase she said, she's like, I'm not a do... She said, I'm not a do-nothing bitch. That's her thing, yeah. She's like, I wasn't designed just to, you know, um, seduce the heart and mind and eyes of a millionaire. That's uh, a little bit more uh, PG than she worded it, but she's like, I have a greater purpose than just to be pretty. You know, there's like some interesting discussion even amongst women about that comment. And on the surface, it sounds like a pretty cool message. And like, I feel like I don't, I don't want to like rip on, on Rousey too much because I think she'll find you. Yeah. She'll, she'll find me. <laughs> yeah. She might beat me up and yeah. she'll ride a bike to your house. I I'm, I'm like, a, I'm a pretty like, I think Joe could throw down in a UFC fight. I think, I, oh, like, yeah. I don't think that's true. Oh, okay. I think I'm a little too small to, no, to you look uh, like you can take a punch. Oh, oh I mean, I would hate to see you take a punch. I, would I, I wouldn't, it. I wouldn't like taking a punch. I'm not okay. into it. Okay. 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 <laughs> That's I great. like cycling because it's like, I mean, you still touch people, but not as much. So right, right, right. I think right, that's right. a little bit why I like cycling. I like endurance sports. You I don't trade really punches people. by pushing the pace. Yeah. Different. That's I funny. might bump elbows with someone. That's about as close as we get. As far as it gets, um, okay. No, but uh, I do think, like, with that comment, there's, you know, the big criticism is that you should be able to like empower people instead of tearing some women down. Right. And I, I do agree with that. Like, but at the same time, like, um, I do see what she's saying as well. Like it is incredibly cool that she is so dedicated and pushes herself that hard Mm -hmm. because I, as, as a woman, and I've seen this with so many other women, like we're very self defeatist. Um, it took me a long time to be able to, you know, just even start training and I still get hit by it a lot. It's like, I can't do that. Like, I might be embarrassed. You know, I'm going to be weaker. I'm going to suck. Like, I probably just shouldn't. Huh. Um, and I hear that from, like, I, the big thing I hear from women too, it's like, I'm really impressed that you race and that you ride so much. I could never do that. And it's like, I used to think like that, but like, I just decided to do it one day and, you know, that's most of it. Like, I'm sure there's tons of women that are way stronger than me or a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the best athletes that just didn't go out and do it. So, you know, to hear someone be like, hey, like, I'm actually going out there and doing this and, you know, like, like I'm making the decision to be an active person, you know, to be a force. Like, right. that's really cool. But, I mean, again, the one the one downside is that she did kind of throw some women under the bus in the process. Yeah. I think there's some women that ask for it. Just small percentage, you know? Because the thing is that you should... That's a foot to mouth. Well, here's the deal. Did you hear some some of the women that heard that statement, they're like, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? A do-nothing whatever. You know what I mean? I... I... They... I guess what it was, I... I should have had, I should have, before I even said that, I should have had some quotes, but I heard some very interesting things that other women said trying to defend themselves in regards to saying like, well, we don't really, I think what it was is they didn't, 
I think a lot of things for a lot of, and it's not just women. Some people just don't know their interest. They don't know what they really, really enjoy in this life, right? Well, right. And I mean, especially with sports, and it doesn't have to be sports, but with sports, um, as women, you're not really encouraged to be athletic. Right. So it's hard. And this is kind of um, the other thing, like when you even, even say like you're picking on women who are like, you know, marrying millionaires or becoming mm-hmm. housewives or, you know, whatever, whatever she's indicating with the, the phrase, do nothing bitch. Like, um, we're in a broken system. Like it sucks mm-hmm. and it's changing. It's very much different from, you know, 50 years ago, from a hundred years ago, from 200 years ago. Right. Right. But like, it's still a very broken system. We still don't make as much as men. Um, we're not as expected or encouraged to go as far, Mm-hmm. You know, as far as childcare goes and housework goes, it still goes to women. And there's just certain gender roles that we really, really haven't shaken. Yeah. So, you know, like on one hand, and you know, you see this stuff with um, just anytime women spend a lot of like an excessive amount of time looking good and trying to attract a husband, like yeah, you're still very much like kind of pushed towards that. And it's again, it's different now, but like you. A lot of times as a woman to do that are just fulfilling kind of an expectation or fulfilling a tradition. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not good, but that's just what we've been doing forever. Right. In the early 1900s, I mean, they were trying to spread it as truth that if as a woman you exerted yourself too much or you sweat too much, that you'd become infertile. And it's just so backwards. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And that they... They didn't want women to to excel in certain facets of, of athletics. I mean, it it was um, banned for any women to compete in the Boston Marathon. Um, what are some other facets of, of life or athletics that you've seen, Joe? I remember the first woman that ran the Boston Marathon, some race director, promoter was trying to pull her off, and then a friend or a... Um, a newscaster blocked the guy and allowed her to keep running. Wow. And this is as late as, like, maybe late 70s, I want to say? Yeah, I want to say this was pretty crazy. That's crazy. They literally thought, though, that your ovaries would fall out of your, or your uterus would fall out of your body if you ran a marathon. Like, that was, like, the concern. They were like, I don't know what's going to happen. These women. I mean, as, a, as a man, I worry about my uterus and all my other organs falling Yeah, your uterus, out mar- specifically <laughs> yours. Um, no, it's wow. just insane. Like, a. <laughs> Like, uh, there's just all these beliefs that, like, women are inherently weaker, which, Mm -hmm. you know, and the research necessarily indicates that um, with women, we're not, like, as endurance athletes, we actually do better the longer distances you throw at us. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one of those things where as you add distance in in an endurance event, women start to close the gap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Badwater so, ultra marathon, um, two years in a row. So Badwater is 135 mile. Some would call it a death race from the bottom of Death Valley to the Mount Whitney um, trailhead, the start Mount Whitney portal. 135 miles through hot, some of the hottest I was conditions say, on that's Earth. A distance from yeah. Death Valley all the way to Mount marathon, Whitney. 135. Wow. And two years in a, a row, the overall winner was was a lady human. Was, was a, a lady human. Pretty incredible. <laughs> so next next rule you've got here on the addendum of disgruntled female cyclists, the sentence, she looks blank, so insert foxy, attractive, hot, shall only be finished with the following objectives. Fast, fit, 
capable of outclimbing any foo when describing women on bikes. Where did you come up with that? Yeah, it's just so, like, again, it goes back to the objectification thing. It's like, sometimes, like, I really do, and I'm not, this isn't me specifically, this is just being a woman woman in um, in cycling. Like, I feel like we're kind of looked at as meat. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, sometimes we get criticism or not praise or criticism for, like, walking around in a sports bra and shorts because, God forbid, we just be hot you know, right. temperature wise, you try to cool down. You don't yeah. feel more comfortable that way. The guys walk around with their shirts off all the time, but when we're doing it, it's something that people focus on. Like, oh, look at their bodies. And there's just been other times too. Like, I when I started riding, um, I was doing this group ride a lot on Saturdays with some friends, and uh, we'd go up and down the coast, which is you know always a popular place to ride. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're kind of we're like hauling ass down the coast one day, and we picked up this old man who just. You know, he was riding. He wasn't. He wasn't super old, but he was older. Old who stuck on my wheel, and I guess at some point he fell off my wheel and rolled up to one of my guy friends and was like, "He was like the only thing that kept me there was staring at her ass. It was like a carrot on a stick." Wow. Which my guy friend relayed to me promptly. It was like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's so cre- Like, you know, like we can't even participate in a sport without being right looked at like that. Like, we can't be looked at as primarily athletes. We have to be looked at as also, you know, like, suitable wives or suitable girlfriends or right. someone you want to sleep with, that kind of thing, which it's just, it it detracts so much from serious athletics for yeah, women. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got to be incredibly intimidating to hop into a sport like cycling just based on everything from the percentage of, of men to women and then just the outfit that's required. I mean, I even know some men that aren't comfortable starting out wearing Lycra. You know, they'll wear baggy pants over over the outfit and then just being objectified while you're at it. It's just got to be a lot of a headache. And, and maybe that's the reason for the percentage is just because of um, all of these, these fears, which I think are justified to a point. So how do we how do we alleviate that? How do we get more more women into into cycling? Like what was the trigger? You said you flipped the switch, you just did it. What were the things that you convinced yourself when you were deciding I'm just gonna do this? Well, again, some of it was something that it, it or some of it was just that cycling is something that makes me happy. Like yeah. um, I like riding. I like kind of outdoing myself. I like going long distances and you know. I think athletes or endurance athletes in general have this sense of really just wanting to, you know, they they like suffering, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of healthy suffering. Yeah. And, why, uh, why is that? Why do you think we like suffering? I think it's just kind of a type A thing. You know, you like to, you like to push your limits. You like to impress yourself. You like to outdo yourself. You like to, you like to be better. So that was always something that kind of sold it to me. From something that I've experienced, not always having had been an athlete, I feel like it's the body, like I was so just not having exercised ever, nothing till I started riding, you know, and what I experienced was just like the, the body relief, like a, a certain sense of <clears throat> using your body, using my body and like a release and a relief as yeah. using my body as a machine that helps me move, yeah. you know, is what really I liked about this whole endurance thing, you know? I think for centuries, life 
as humans was really difficult to survive. You know, we're fighting saber-toothed tigers. We're fighting just to stay warm. I mean, there's places in the world where just their daily goal is just to stay warm, you know, in Siberia and various parts. And so life is very difficult. And now life has gotten a little bit um, softer and easier. And we've tamed the earth. We've subdued a lot of things. And so people, some people have this desire to challenge ourselves and to go up against the saber-toothed tiger again and to find out what they're made of. And I think that's why people do these crazy endurance challenges like a century ride or running a marathon or a Tough Mudder with that being definitely on the, the easier end. <laughs> um, Joe, let's see. Why do you find it unacceptable to use women primarily as props in cycling? I feel like a complete idiot for even asking that. So <laughs> rule number five. Similarly, it is unacceptable to use women primarily as props in cycling. I mean, we've had so many problems with this recently. Um, I feel kind of embarrassed at the cycling industry just between the recent Canalgo problem and uh, um, there's been a number of, of recent issues with brands that have just kind of completely disregarded the idea that women race bikes and that we use, you know, we use our bikes for athletics and we're actually very competitive. Um Sell the bikes to us based on our, our credibility and our fitness, not based on our sex appeal. Well, it's just right. completely like, it completely disregards the idea that women are a market for them. And it's like, it's so out of touch because women are like such a fast growing market for cycling. And uh, so it's like, you're cutting off what could be really lucrative for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... um it just, it seemed like it's so stupid, and especially like um, a lot of times you'll see these companies, like they'll get a lot of backlash and it, it's nice to see men respond as well. Like it, uh-huh. usually the women, which, and you know, it's kind of how it should be. I'm, I'm really glad that women are finally speaking up for themselves and being like, hey, that's really sexist that this, you know, girl is naked and holding a cassette, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's stuff like that. It's, that's real. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, you know, you also see men supportive now, which um, is just really cool to also have these male a- male allies going, you know, like, we have girlfriends and wives and daughters and sisters who race bikes who we like. Right, And right. we want to continue to see them happy, and we think it's really awful that you're treating them like that. Okay. Cassette thing is funny. My, my personal favorite is the bibs. Is like when you'll see a woman in a magazine wearing like just bibs. Oh, yeah. They have like their arms you put just bibs. Yeah. You put just bibs on a, on a dude human and it doesn't look quite well, as uh, appealing. I always see them with <laughs> just like. Bibs. They're in like these weird like contorted positions with like flowers shopped in the background too. It's like that doesn't really make me. How many qualms me... you got, Trick? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make me want to buy those at all. Like That should be a rule. It's like if you're going to model stuff in cycling. I, I mean, I think, okay, this chick doesn't ride. It's like you see a pretty girl in a, a magazine. It's like how many qualms she got. It's like she can't even ride a beach cruiser, let yeah. alone. Well, it's like not even that, too. Because the other thing is like female cyclists, we come in all different shapes and sizes. Like I have friends that are very, very lean. And almost like model like, and then I have friends that are you know like track racers, just big legged, you know, real strong, you know, everyone in between. And so I don't think there is like a certain way that women, even talented women, look. But um, so I always like when people say like, oh, she doesn't ride. Like I'll see that response a lot, and 
you know, to those those sorts of advertisements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for me, it's always like, well, you don't know that she doesn't ride. The issue isn't whether or not she rides, because she might. Mm-hmm. It's more, you know, like, why does she look like she should be in a lingerie catalog right now? Right. Um, and that's, I think, the what we should be addressing. Like, you know, why are we... Why are we advertising women like this when we're selling bike parts right. or, you know, bikes or clothing or whatever? If the parts are good enough, they should sell by themselves already, right? They don't really need that. Well, and the other thing that I bring up a lot, too, it's like with women or with anyone, like, obviously you want to use attractive people in your advertisements. Like when I see someone who looks just good all around in an advertisement, it makes me want to buy something right so it's not necessarily against using attractive people in advertisements it's more the method you know the manner in which these people are displayed right right i see you you mentioned the the assist push will be used sparingly and with good intentions only so i think that's kind of a conundrum um as men we have this desire to to just be be heroes and be saviors and see a lady struggling up a hill and maybe some men's first inclination is to want to go and push her. But when that happens, it can be a little bit ridiculous. It's like, what if she just wants to see if she can climb the hill alone? I, I've even had to check myself in like offering offering to, to help or push a guy because I think people take extreme satisfaction. Maybe this is their first time climbing the hill without having to stop. And you go and you push them, and in their head they know they didn't do it fully by themselves. So touch on that is the assist push will be used sparingly and with good intentions only. Would a good rule be if she if she asked to be pushed? Oh, you. Have, I mean, it's like any other any other instance of touching a woman. You don't walk up to a woman on the street and touch her. You just don't do that. Right. So why would you do that on a bike? Like you know, you you might argue with friends. It's a little different. But even then, like, and you know, it is kind of you know like what what you're saying, Ronnie. Like with um. First off, I think like if she doesn't want to there's a lot of times you don't want to be pushed and like if you don't want to be pushed like you're taking her workout away from her like you're robbing some of her workout from her which then she's not going to get as strong and then she remains stunted and that goes for anyone that's with men too you know you if they don't get to work as hard like they're not getting as much of a workout how are they ever going to get stronger a general rule i use that kind of my mother taught me is when you see um, an attractive member of the opposite sex exercising, your inclination may to be want to go up and say hi and start a conversation, but it's best just to let someone do their workout, leave them alone, and uh, you know if you if you felt inclined to approach, like do it at a better moment. But like when people are in the zone, it's like let them enjoy the zone. Right. Uh. Well, there's even stuff too. Like I've been on group rides, which I'm perfectly capable of finishing, and I'll purposely be trying to drop back. And some guy will assume that I'm losing ground and reach over and push me forward. And it's to the, it's just like, that's another one of those things with not only is, and it's usually random guys that I don't really know. Um, First off, you're invading my, you know, my personal space. That's my body. I don't want you touching it unless I ask or, you know, unless we're at a level where I'm comfortable with you touching me. But on top of that, it's like, it's so presumptuous to assume that because I'm female and because I'm falling, like, would you do that for your guy friends? Like, because I'm female and because I'm falling back, not even that poorly. Like, why do you assume that I want your help? Does that happen often where you feel like somebody's trying to like, like push you? Are they where, I mean, 
it happens amongst men for sure in like the peloton like if you see um if you see someone struggling or kind of coming off maybe not drifting towards the back but if you see someone like coming off or say they just took a pull and i'll, I'll even people have done this to me and i and i appreciate it but it's a different dynamic when it's man to man and so we totally um my rule is just don't touch don't touch a girl unless she asks for help and i think right. that's that's a good rule to go by but guys will see you take a hard pull and then you need to slot back in. You only have maybe um, 40 meters of riders, 100 riders or so to get back on. Otherwise, you're going to get dropped. And so guys will push me almost as like a thank you mm -hmm. for, for taking a big pull. Cool. That's interesting. Uh, we wanted to, you know, uh, your comments will eventually be heard by the rider they're made about. You touched on that. Um, there was a guy drafting off you. And just enjoying the scenery outside of the beach um, so he's just staring staring at your booty and he went up to a buddy of yours which I'm, I'm assuming he didn't know was a buddy and just talked about the carrot and whatnot people talk if there's anything I've learned about the cycling world is that people people gossip we all tend to be um, very type A and thus I think that comes to being very um, vocal on social media so rumors spread like wildfire so how did how did that uh, that rule get added to the list? Give us your thoughts, Joe. Um, a lot of that is just like you have guys talking about women, which is I think normal in every sense, you know, in every arena. But like, I think it gets worse with um, arenas that are dominated by men in life. Like they sometimes I think the guys just think they can say whatever they want. And nobody will repeat it or nobody, like, it's just okay because that's their community. Dude, they've never had a girl run up on them. That's why. We're straight up. <laughs> straight up. They never had a girl say, I'm sorry, what did you say? Say that louder to my face. And then the guy would go, what? what? Say what louder? Like, sometimes the guys just say creepy, creepy things. I'm just like, what What's just came out of your I was just going to ask that. <laughs> Oh man, and what's the most I encouraging? Because that brings know. us to our next point. Is like encouragement is key. So, what's the creepiest or the multitude of creepy things? I'm sure you've got a whole, <laughs> a whole black book. I've definitely heard guys putting it gently talk about rating female cyclists on how likely they would be to sleep with them. Really? So they're like, "Yo, why don't you ride on this?" Like. It's more like like they'll be discussing like oh man she's hot like <laughs> like you know and it's when they and I, I have this joke that I'm always gonna start this like this Twitter or something some sort of social media called overhead in the men's peloton just, you're gonna start it after this probably uh, I need to hashtag it's just that. like I, yeah maybe it should just peloton. be a hashtag but it's just like just funny shit that guys say because sometimes they either like forget. Because, you know, there's always, like, one or two women that, like, can actually hang in. You're right. And I don't know if they, like, forget that we're there or, like, they just, because we're such a minority, they think it's okay, whatever. Or, like, you know, you know if you're, you're a fast woman, you're kind of, like, in the in crowd. Right, right. But sometimes they just say things and you're just, like, oh, my God. Like, like they'll be, like, talking about, like, seeing through women's clothing or, oh, what? like, um... I find that kind of gross. I was just, weird. yeah. Like, guy, guy or girl, your bibs are wearing thin, and the sun, like, we got a nice tailwind, but the sun is catching just right. It's like, right, right, right. Nobody right. got time for that. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it gets it gets weird. It gets kind of creepy. I feel like men are definitely way more susceptible to riding in bibs that are wearing thin. That's probably girls, also but. true. I think because we're also really self-conscious of that for that reason. Mm -hmm. Um. 
Yeah, but it's just stuff like that. Like, you'll hear guys, it's a lot of weird sex talk, like derogatory sex talk. That's weird. So, encouragement is key as rule number eight. Um, what is the most encouraging thing you have heard in your journey as a cyclist? Give us one in your early beginnings when you were just kind of learning the ropes, and now that you've achieved, you've won, uh, you've won a red hook, you've won wolf pack. You're currently very, very close to your your cat one, um, cat one upgrade. Very nice. How many points are you away from it? I don't know. You just need. You probably the type just needs to send in the email. It's like I'm, down all the way. I'm not sure. I'd have to like retotal it to it's, find uh, out. Is it the same for for girls? I yep. know the scale. Yeah. I, I think you guys start at cat four, correct? There's no yeah, cat we don't have a five category. So right? you start out at cat four, and then ten races to become cat three, or is it no, just points right away? Upgrade oh, with points. That's phenomenal. But like it's that. it's kind of a pain you in the ass yeah. because uh, our fields are smaller, so sometimes. Oh. Like so you can win away. like three or four races and still not have enough points. Yeah. So for men's, typically it's fifty plus. That's a really good point you illustrate. Because I, I had this. It's good. To learn something. Um, I had this viewpoint that it was easier to like move up the categories, but in a way, it's probably slower because there's less, less potential for like big points. You spend a lot of time driving as a woman if you want to upgrade. Like, well, they you say, drive yeah. to a lot of races. Pro cycling is professional driving so many miles for the uh, let's see i think it's nine points for a win in a road race with 50 or more and seven for a criterion um, but that's if there's 50 or more so i think the chart drops off significantly so maybe five so you need to win four or five crits to get to uh just get to cat three from cat four mm-hmm. so what what's something crazy encouraging joe um you know i can't think of any like specific quotes but one of the big things is like just letting women know again, you know, back to the idea of we can do it. Like when you discourage women, like they don't like, it's so easy to get discouraged. It's such a, we're already at a disadvantage because the sport's still very much male dominated. It's hard for us to get into it. It's scary. You know, like we're not used to it. And, um, so any little bit of discouragement, it's, like most women will take that to heart. Right. Right. Whereas like with encouragement, like, I mean, I've just had like a lot of, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of people reach out to me and like, be like, Hey, you've got a lot of potential. We want to see you do well. Yeah. Um, you know, people like Don Ward over at Wolfpack right, was right. just Wolfpack hustle has just it been exceedingly, exceedingly supportive of my whole journey as a cyclist. Um, largely just because he thought it was really cool that there was this woman that, you know, wanted to succeed on, yeah. it was yeah. one, of your, one of your first sponsors right yeah um uh, well especially with the fix your stuff I, I raced with wolfpack for a couple seasons which was really fun it was you know definitely kind of a formative time in my my fixie yeah, life got your feet cool. wet and saw this is something you wanted to stick with but yeah i mean without someone like someone like don in my life mm-hmm. and there's there's definitely like people who are the equivalent in road racing that have, have also been there and just been like Hey, you know, like we're gonna help you get to where you want to be because we believe in you. Right, Put you on the spot. Who are, who are some of those people? I think it's good to give credit where credits due, and what better form than this? Um, gosh, I mean, there's there's been so many people. I've had people like um, my friend Brett Claire has lent me wheels. Um, actually, actually Jackie, um, Jackie Price or Jackie Price Dunn's husband, um, Durwood actually set up a. F- fund for female cyclists in her name 
and um, helped me when I was struggling to get out to the uh, Olympic Training Center for track. Um, I was invited to a camp, but I mean, I had to pay my own flight, and it, I'm and that was, uh, fairly Colorado? broke. Yeah, Colorado yeah. Spring? So stuff like that. I mean, Chris Daggs coached me for a while and um, was just exceedingly, exceedingly supportive as far as wanting to see me succeed. I mean, there's always been, and then, you know, especially with women, too, women are invaluable, like um, Crystal Howard over with Sky Flasher, the team's Holiday Rock now, um, really just, I mean, sh there'd be points when she'd just drive me to races because she wanted to see me race. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and it's just like all of, all of the older women, especially, I'm so blessed to be in San Diego with uh, a lot of these incredible, like, bike <coughs> legends, just like um, my friend Trina Jacobson or Pam Schuster's down there, and they're, they're always just patient, and they have advice, and they want to see succeed, and... Um, the bike community is pretty second to none, I can attest to that. It's huge in my, my formation as a as a rider and just as a human being. Mm -hmm. you know, seeing people come out of the woodwork um, to su support me when I needed the most was huge. I'm sure you had a bit of that when you were recovering from, from your crash and then fighting cancer. That must have been very, very, very humbling to see people just show you love in a tangible way. Yeah, and I mean, there's just there's always people that want to ride and hang out and just be there. I mean, I even when I was going through chemo and I wasn't riding much, I had a friend who just went out and did a really slow ride with me and was totally cool with that, you know? Oh, that's cool. So. That's good. That's really good. I, I love, love riding slow. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like we were riding slow today, but that wasn't, wasn't by choice or wasn't because it was easy. Because, I mean, to get faster, you got to ride legitimately slow. You ride really fast. I think my average speed for the year on Strava is 20 miles per hour, which is, is pretty high as far as like comparison, but I'll go out and ride 10 miles per hour sometimes, and then racing will be 30 miles per hour, so it ends up averaging out. Um, if that's something I want to touch on with you is maybe some training tips for, for both um, female cyclists and, and male. I'm sure you could shed light on both, but the next rule is female cyclists are not required to be fast in order to achieve the honored title of serious cyclists. What does that, what does that mean to you? Can you be, are they independent from each other? I think it, you know, a little explanation is like go out to a group ride and see how many uh, serious, in quotes, male cyclists end up getting dropped in the first hour. It's like they look pro, but. Well, I mean, even like, there's a lot of guys who are fairly serious about cycling who are cat threes and fours. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, some guys are just, they like the lifestyle. They like getting into cycling. They, it's a double standard. Yeah. But, like, with women, like, if we're not comparatively, you know, like, when women are threes or fours, like, a lot of times people really just talk down on them. Like, really? oh, you're not serious about this. Or, like, it's whatever for you. Like, this is just a hobby for you. And it's, like. Even in a category three or four, they're still talking to women like that? Well, I mean, women, like, our developmental races are three four you right. start, you start as a four but i mean as a as a man you start as a five and you can become a three just based on participation like most people don't know this but you do your 10 cap fives and then if you finish in the pack which in a crit is very easy to do i mean not very easy you couldn't go from couch to peloton Some, somebody out there is, is stung by your words yeah. ronnie yeah. <laughs> De dean is yeah. stung I'm like wait a second what I can do that? <laughs> if, you ride, if you train on your bike and you ride 100 to 150 miles a week, you're going to get eventually get fit enough to the point where you could hang in a Cat 4 Peloton going 24 miles per hour. Right, right. Just, so that's when I say it's easy. So mm -hmm. back, back pedal. Um, 
so if you do 20 pack finishes in cat four, you get to become cat three. So it's, it's this kind of interesting thing. And then this is a, another subject entirely, but pro one, two, three, um, races together. So technically someone that did their 10 cat fives finished in the Peloton 20 times, so 30 races, which isn't a ton of experience could ride in a, in a pro one, two, three race at like a CBR. So it's a little dicey sometimes. Wow. Yeah. So Joe, um, would you want to expand any more on that of, uh, of being a serious cyclist versus being, um, being fast? Are they independent of each other? No, I don't. I mean, and the other thing is like, you always have to have someone that wins and someone that loses. Yeah. And, uh, you have to have people, you can't have a race if everyone is exactly the same speed and they're all super fast. Like you can, but it's, I mean, in order to fill a full Peloton, like you have to have a bunch of people Yeah. and, it works best if there's like a bit of a skill gradient. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's crazy to think about. So, and even like within cycling, you know, you can be good at different things. You can be good at sprinting. You can be good at time trialing. You can be good at climbing, you know, whatever. Um, so it's, and I, I feel like sometimes because women are already just kind of expected to be weak or to be looked down upon, like if you're not just, if you're not just good, like, it's almost like, it's just this weird attitude where you're not expected or you're not thought of as, like, serious about it or someone to be respected or, right. you know, whatever. Right. You're not taken seriously. Like, it's not, they don't treat you as if you're treating it as something you want to do. When in reality, a lot of the women that are, you know, even developmental cyclists who who might become really good. Right. Um, and just haven't found it yet, like... uh a lot of those women work really hard and, right. you know, they've spent a lot of time and money and energy and made sacrifices to be able to do this. That's so. why I don't understand why people would even down talk them like that. You know what I mean? The idea that they're even involved, isn't that good enough? Doesn't that show you that they're serious? You yeah. Know I, I mean? mean, I think that's, that's just back to the idea of women cycling being kind of a, a function of male cycling. Okay. When I, when I see girls in the Peloton, it's, Immediately, I know a couple things. I know she's like, she's a tough, tough gal. And she's very fit. And she has a certain resiliency to her, which I, I just find it very incredible. It's like there's an immediate respect when I see a girl riding riding in the Peloton. Because I know how much guts that takes. And that's coming from just as a guy. Assuming the guts it takes and not knowing the struggle personally. Um, touch on this one. The last rule you have, rule number 10. Pink bicycles are not a sign of weakness weakness nor is anything else feminine this is kind of a, a bit of a personal one it's just kind of a personal it's a pet peeve um it's always just kind of bothered me that people when things are traditionally feminine they're like um especially in sports like women reject them really easily like oh. pink pink bikes are the really obvious one you hear a lot of women say like i don't want pink bikes i don't want pink helmets really? or you know like that's that's girly like we don't want that and it's like why don't we just disassociate the idea of being girly as being like when we were talking about doing something like a girl uh-huh. like we're so afraid of like this this stereotype of of women mm-hmm. that a lot of times we don't want to be like women when in reality like instead of instead of avoiding it maybe if we owned it you know like i like pink i yeah. like i, I like pink. pink i like kittens i like flowers uh-huh. you know um we see a lot of your your kitten pics on uh, on Insta. Where, yeah. where can people follow you, by the way? Is it a Lost in Tall Trees? Yeah, Is that right? yeah, Lost in Tall Trees on Instagram. But yeah, no, I have two cats. I love them to death. 
Um, you have a lot of Kim photos? Oh my god, half of, half of my Instagram is probably cat photos. I almost had to block it. I love it was cats. a bit much. My uh, my inner golden retriever was wanting to chase the cats. It was not a good thing. I like cats. I just feel like if they're a little bigger, they we couldn't keep them in the house. They would and just they would bite us. They would just eat us. Yeah, yeah, my cats are pretty already. Like I have this like thirteen pound cat, and he can open doors. It's kind of he can open doors. You know, Did you kids. train it to open? No, doors? No, no, he's just a pain in the butt. Can you use the bathroom? I've seen cats use. Bathrooms. No, he can't use the bathroom. Unfortunately. Wow. Do you have a rag on your door to help your cats open doors? No. He... So they can bite it and pull it. He just he squeezes himself between the sliding glass door and like. Just opens. Kind of it's, snuggles it's kind his of way problematic. Through. That's usually how I get outside. Just, really? Yeah. Just kind of squeeze yourself up against the door. Are you yeah. my cat? Oh, he oh. wants to be. God. Okay. That's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, so <laughs> Sounds like a long line, Joe. Suitors. I'm gonna get a lot of like photos in my inbox of like guys in cat ears, just like hey, oh hey really? Instagram direct? No, I, oh, I haven't oh. yet. She's gonna. I do get some weird Instagram direct messages oh that I'm always gosh. just like. I cannot imagine as. Well, oh, as please a tell oh, us what like a message that you remember. It's just like guys sending me photos of themselves, and a lot of times they're just like ridiculous, like fixie foos with a bunch of weird equipment. With and it's a bunch of like, weird equipment. No, it's like. Arrow helmets with like jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> on like a bike with like These arrow spokes. Each other out. <laughs> yeah, and he'll have like arrow spokes on his bike and then like risers. Oh. We had this and joke. Then, yeah. We had this joke on the show that it, that in Italy things were going really well. I met a, a lady human and it hit it off and then she saw a break on my bike and it was like total deal breaker. She was like, nah, nope. not down. Arrow helmet and jeans I can tolerate. Do you even fix you, bro? Do you even fix you, Do you bro? even? <laughs> That's funny. Would you, could you uh, date a guy that uh, that had a break on his, on his fixie, Joe? It depends where he lived. It depends what he was doing. Okay. But probably no, honestly. <laughs> what do you mean yeah. it depends where he lives? Oh, like why is a break on yeah. his bike? But, I mean, I like, I, I know a messenger who like, or a courier messenger is kind of an understatement because he like mainly just delivers food and flowers, and like he rides through San Diego on really steep streets, and like I could totally see having a break on your bike for that kind of thing. Yeah. Because it, it's steep and he's got stuff. We, we joke. Sense. We say it may not be cool to have a break on your bike, but being in a coma is not cool either. Well, that's <laughs> no. Fair. But I don't have a break on my bike, so. Oh okay. Um, how hard do you fix you though? I I fix you pretty hard. It's Joe Celso, she yeah. fixes pretty hard, dog. TDF. Too yeah. damn fixie. Too damn fixie. I'm still tripping on guys actually sending you direct messages. Yeah. Oh, That's man. crazy. <laughs> and they always start out with like, you're hot, we should ride together sometime. Wow. So it's, the it's, the, uh, it's the fixie equivalent of Netflix and chill. Yeah. yeah. Guys, stop sending her messages. She obviously doesn't like it. Okay. <laughs> man. You, you want to push her. You want to push her up a hill though. She totally loves that. That's fine. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> no. See, see what happens, Ronnie. See what happens. Oh my god, I, see wouldn't, what happens. I wouldn't attempt to push you anywhere, that's verbally funny. or on a bike. Yeah. Wow, that is that's funny. That's funny. Let's um jump into uh our last or not our last, but um we've been talking so much. We have so much to talk about, but we can't touch it all. But you know, um, pay in cycling for women, especially. You know, cycling is really no different. According to the Guardian, the minimum wage for a male UCI World Tour cyclist is thirty-five thousand euros, which is roughly anywhere between forty and forty-five thousand American. I would say, 
and uh, with the average salary reported at two hundred and five, is that two hundred and five or two sixty five? Two hundred sixty five euros. Um, thousand, two hundred sixty-five thousand. Two hundred sixty-five thousand euros. That's the average. That's a lot of money. That is a, a lot that, of money. That is a lot of money. That's. But uh, we talked about this before. Ninety percent of the Grand Tour pros in the Tour de France are making in between fifty to a hundred k. Yeah. So the yeah, average yeah, yeah. is brought up by the names: the Jens Voits, the Chris Froome, the Bradley Wiggins, the Peter Sagan, the Ronnie Toast, the little butt grabber. <laughs> I, I don't know why you always say that, man. I'm a chump compared to these guys. Like Ronnie, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Wait, are we talking about butt grabbing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was, excuse me. I thought you were saying that it was fast. You were just calling me no. a butt grabber. He's that, a butt grabber? That I would. <laughs> Usually it's just my own when I'm twerking on the fixie looking back at it. Okay. <laughs> a female elite cyclist, all she earns is just 20,000 euros. That's not enough to buy you a Mercedes in Europe. Man, I'm about to get one of those contracts. You said 20,000 euros? Yeah, 20,000 euros. You can barely euros. Like, pay your rent with that in California. Right. But these, are Euro, these are no, euros. But that's, so Euro, in California, they're the, extra good. No, I mean, like, the exchange rate isn't that yeah. much higher. Yeah, but even in Europe, like, Europe, they have a high rate of, or a high living standard. You know what I mean? I mean, could you even afford that in London or in Paris? I don't I don't think so. I no. Mean, even look at, like, so, you know, 20,000 euros, say, like, but what does that come out? 25, like, I would 25, say. 25. 25K? Uh-huh. Um, like, you 20, can't. $24,000. If that's going to look at like that. At a 1.2. Yeah. Is the price is right? Currency okay. exchange. Where I are we at? I told you, man. Oh, Ronnie right. says 20, I, 24. I converted. I converted when I went to uh, Milano. Um, so it's a one point. They buy at like 1.12 and sell at 1.18. So mm-hmm. And bigger than that. I think 1.04 and they're buying at 1.8. So 14% spread of profit. Banks doing you dirty, man. Give yeah. a man a gun. He can rob a bank. Give a man a bank. And he can rob the world. Hi-yo. Hey, I didn't see that coming. He's getting it political. I know, I know. What is it? $21,536.30. From 20,000 euros? It's only 21,000. So but that's before you convert. <laughs> the so. American dollars, I mean, the euro's gone down like that? Really? It's, uh, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't that high when I was over there. Point, oh, wow. 1.08. That's what was cool about it. Yeah. Is, uh, a lot of stuff was cheaper. Wow. It's like, um, at one point, didn't you say when you were leaving, you built... A, you couldn't get a hold of a bike box. Something happened with yours, so you had to build one out of like pizza, pizza boxes. boxes and duct tape. That's real. I remember you telling me that. that's crazy. Buy your tickets to Europe. That's my. That was one of my <laughs> biggest fears of going to Europe because the euro was so much higher. You know, I, I thought the euro was that much higher. Where I was just like, I can't you know afford to party. You know what is higher is um, the pound. When I was in London, oh, it was really? crazy expensive. But Europe, continental mm-hmm. Europe, isn't too that's bad. That's you, how you figure out who's running the world. Who's yeah. got the strongest currency? There's yeah. this quote that says, the sun never set on the British Empire. Hi-yo. Ronnie do, coming through with those quotes. Later. I'm bringing Ronnie. the truth. Ronnie, Ronnie. We call need to start me, a book club, Ronnie. Call me Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right, let's see. Joe, on your blog, you talk about uh, how some promoters are giving uh, less than stellar prizes to women. Um, just one sock and a sock premium instead of two. No, sarcasm on that. But, but despite pouring their hearts out, why why do you think lady cyclists are getting uh, not as good of, of um, prizes? I know at the last CBR they had some good prizes. It was actually better for the women than for the men. Um, but I think on the aggregate it's definitely fair to say that it is not, not equal. Why is that? Um, there's a couple, couple big things. But uh, like um, 
One is the easy answer for promoters to give us is just that there's less of us, which is true. But I think that's what we're trying to do is get a bigger turnout by having that. You can't expect us to produce tons of female cyclists overnight. It's just yeah, not realistic. And it's right. it's much bigger than it was before. Like, for sure, we have more women out than we have in a long or ever. And it happens with you know? You know, people like yourself at the at the helm. Just be able to um, give hope and, and life and inspiration to Which, people. Yeah, I mean, that's again when I when I stress like the idea of like you can do it and encouraging women like that's how we get more women racing. But like when you, and it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing. They're like, well, if more women are out here, we'll give more prize money or we'll give better prizes or blah, 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 blah. But like until then we're just going to give subpar prizes because there's less of you. And it's frustrating because it, um, it really feels like it kind of demeans the work that you do when you're at the top level. Like, um, you know, or whatever, like even, um, like elite level racing, like, when the men's purse is double or sometimes more what the women's is, it's like, I'm still training just as much, you know, like right. yeah. I'm still working my ass off, but like you guys are giving me less for winning. Mm. Or the, the tour of California, you know, the men's stage race being seven, eight days and the women's race being three days. Just yeah. Like and that's not unique either. Like, um, you see that in a lot of races where the women do, less stages we almost always do less distance which just seems stupid because you you would want to do more stages you do want to do all seven? Oh yeah okay. i mean so redland redland stage race was that the same as the men's as far as the duration i mean maybe distance is shorter distance was shorter, shorter duration was the same and would you say um, as a proponent for equal rights is that a, is that a bad thing would you like the distance to be the same or is it more the amount of stages well, I always bring up, it's both. I mean, distance, and you see this on local levels as well. It, it always just, like, strikes me as bizarre. Like, you know, maybe we won't race as fast as the guys, but, like, especially in crits, it's, like, we can all ride an hour and a half. We can ride our bikes for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Like, are, are you kidding me? Like, do you really need to? And that's not even, like, you can't even use the argument, like, well, the men's race is 90 minutes, the women's is 60, because the women ride slower, because 90 minutes is 90 minutes. So it's like, why are you like cutting the women's race to sixty minutes? Like it just seems so cheap. Yeah. Um, and that's always something that's bothered me. But additionally, stages like it's always like, we can also ride, you know, however many stages. Like even like um, I believe, I forget which which uh, stage race it is. It's an NRC race that uh, the women do less stages. Yeah. Dairyland. I don't Toad. think it's Dairyland. It might be Gila. I could be wrong. I'd have to check on that. So what needs to happen in female cycling so that pro cyclists are compensated and paid equally to male pro cyclists? I think, and you're seeing this a little bit. It's been kind of cool. We just need to start giving women equal, equal pay. Like, if there's more money in it, Mm -hmm. And there's more res like respect towards women. Right. More women are going to want to get involved. Like, yeah. Who wants to get involved in a sport where you're being given less than your male counterparts? Right. Like right, it doesn't right. make you feel like, oh man, that sounds amazing. Like, yeah. It makes you feel like, man, people don't respect me as much as the men. Like, right. Why would I want to jump into that? Right. 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 That's that's really interesting. You're you're an ambassador for the sport. You're bringing about change. Like you said, it's not going to happen overnight, but. 
there are women right now that are going to listen to this and they're going to be touched. They're going to go out and they're going to hop on their bike that they're already on, or they're going to be a runner or a tennis crossover or something. They're going to hear this, going to be inspired. They're going to buy a bike. What is the, the most tangible advice, just something simple that I can do today to bring about fitness? Like what, what's a go-to workout for yours? Would you say in the beginning, just uh, put in miles or what are your thoughts to a, a newbie female cyclist? I think you just have to, especially at the beginning, you just have to ride a lot. You just have to, and you have to do stuff that challenges you. Like at the beginning, I don't think it has to be really structured. Like everyone gets really focused on, oh, I need to go out and immediately hire a coach and you know, find someone that's going to like lead me through all these workouts. And it's more, I think that you just have to go out, ride a bunch, get comfortable on your bike and go do things that challenge you, you know, group rides, um, just distances that are longer or, you know, a lot of, a lot of tough hills, that kind of thing. Is there a certain amount of miles to where you really noticed a, an increase in your fitness? I mean, for me, it was probably 10,000. I was on the river trail one day, looked down at the speedometer, and I had been sustaining 25. Granted, it was a hurricane. I had a massive tailwind, but I was doing 25. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a, a kind of a shift, and I feel like that was around 10,000 miles. Do you remember noticing anything like that? And no, how many miles have you ridden total? I have no idea. I don't even. I was gonna ask you how do you know? Yeah, how I don't. Miles you rode, do you even Strava? That's a little Strava. OCD. No, no Strava. Not OCD you. All. We need to get a Strava sponsor because oh, you man. use Strava and maybe Dude, my Strava big factor. I'd say the probably biggest factor in me going from Cat Five to Cat One. Um, if I went from Cat Four to Cat One after I got done with my Ten Fives, Cat Four to Cat One in three months, and I'd say the biggest factor in doing that was was Strava because you could see your progress. See my progress. The KOMs list is growing. Just motivation. When the motivation's not there, somebody sends you an uh oh. Yeah, I was just gonna say, if you see somebody kill one of your KOMs, how do you feel? Um, I die a little inside. No. no. <laughs> and nowadays, I think there's a certain. Do you remember the the B list cool kids in high school? Yeah. They weren't so nice, but the actual cool kids that were like an A list. I was know, one of those kids. Okay, they were kind kids, and everybody liked them. They liked them for a reason. And this is not saying that I've reached any huge amount of success, but when you just you have bigger fish to fry, and it's like, hey, you're racing in Cat One races against some of the best guys in the world, going out to Red Hook and throwing down with former like Grand Tour dudes. And so nowadays, when I get an uh oh, it bugs me less, and I'm almost like happy for the person. And remember when I said two people can be cool, like just because you're cool and someone else with a similar gifting and talents to you is cool, doesn't take anything away from your coolness. And so lately, I, I just kind of will go out of my way and and just congratulate the person. Be like, hey, because I know like that was fast and they must have really earned it. So it's less insecurity now and more seeing the fellow man as teammates. Right. But yeah, I'll still rebuttal. I'll go out and you know try and get it back. I think it's just it's a good it's a good sportsmanship thing to congratulate him and then like you know go. Go be competitive. That's the whole point of the thing. When somebody hits your KOM, can you message them and say, "Hey, congratulations!" But I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill it. I th- no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. No. I think um, Newton said to be able to make a point without making an enemy is an art, and so I believe in allowing the legs to do the talking and uh, strive yeah, to help. Yeah, people know. People know when you, when you, when you go out and beat it. There was, there's no need to say, "Hey, I'm gonna go out and crush it." It's just, just go out and crush it. I think that's good life advice for anything is instead of saying, hey, I'm going to get straight A's this semester. Hey, I'm going to get a job. 
hey, I'm going to get to Cat 2 by the end of the year. And it's like, just go get to Cat 2. Get the straight A's. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. People notice uh, they may not remember what you say, but they remember the way you made them feel. That's true. That's a good point. Laying down knowledge. That's what we call truth. I spend tomorrow meditating. (laughs) (laughs) On the bike, hopefully. Maybe not. I need a. I need a rest day. (laughs) Speaking of rest day, you are a massage therapist by trade, Joe. Um, Tell us how that influences your own personal recovery. You did the Redland stage race. That's what, five or six days? Stages? It's, uh, five days for, yeah, five days for both genders. Five days for both genders. I mean, that's cool. A little bit of equality there. You do the Big Bear time trial. You're out at the Sunset Road Race. Five days of just getting beat up by the best in the country or moreover world. What do you do that you take from what you've learned in massage therapy um, school and in your practice to bring you to your A game for race day on a multiple day stage race? I mean, the biggest thing, the most obvious thing is just to get massaged. Like if I can, um, I trade with coworkers or, you know, I have discounts at work. So, and I, I can't stress how much that can really help. You know, when you look at like the top level, when you look at the pros or, you know, the national teams, whatever, they all have, they all have massage therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can afford that, because I, I like to be able to remove excuses. I like removing my own excuses, and I like helping others to alleviate theirs. So if they can't afford that, what's the next best thing? Some people will do self-massage in the shower, like be able to um, rub their quads with um, the thumb or the palm. So what are some things you like to do that you can do yourself without a foam extra rolling. money? Um, I love foam rolling. You can you can even, like, if you have, like, um, an SO or a friend or whatever, Who's like What's a SO? Break that down for us. Significant other, you can like have them foam roll you, which is super nice. Um, same thing with tennis balls. You can roll on tennis balls if you've got tension. So roll on tennis balls. Yeah, you know, like for the back, right? Or yeah, back or glutes. Well, IT bands. that sounds yeah. horrible for your back if you roll on one no, tennis ball. Are you kidding? No, like you, uh, or no, you can no. do it against a wall. Like you can put oh, the tennis like ball that. between you and the wall. Two of them or one? Um, I've heard of duct tape and two together, two lacrosse balls. Yeah, I've had people tell me that they put them in pillowcases. Um, So, I mean, there's there's all sorts of, just like Mm self-massage, stretching. I love stretching in the shower. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, that's my favorite thing, too. That's my number one thing, stretching in the shower. Well, because heat helps your muscles loosen up. I've been telling people that for a long time. I don't know. Them cold showers. Uh, Ronnie, are that's the Why worst thing I've ever showers. heard. That's, no. that's awful. Ronnie, Why would you do that to yourself? We're at like 15 years now. I can't say completely because, you know, there's been a couple slip ups here and there, but. He buys a bag of ice from Vaughn's before he takes a shower. <laughs> and he, while he has the cold water on, he takes the bag and pours it on his body Is just so he real? can take that extra mile. Yeah, I've been taking that's, only cold oh showers my since, God. Uh, since I was 12. Oh my yeah, God. Right, so Look, <laughs> I, I think you're cooler than me. You're pretty next level because you're a pioneer and inspire inspiration to just men and women. Pretty incredible. He rolls his back on the ice cubes. <laughs> That's what he <laughs> No, I actually freeze. I freeze uh, ice balls and then exactly use those That's as a foam real roller. Drinkers use ice. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because Dean back the whiskey, man. Put your shirt on. Oh, oh no, oh no, just. Yeah, around his head like a helicopter. Oh, I like the little Wayne fixie joke we had. Like, I'm in the breakaway. <laughs> <laughs> that probably doesn't sound anything. Oh. All right. So, Joe, you're crushing it. Um, how do you feel being part of, uh, of Sinelli Chrome? 
I'd say that's like the Yankees in the uh, in the fixie world. Granted, it's not on the level as leader bikes, but I mean, oh, you'll get there someday. Oh, you'll get there someday. Oh, it may put an application, and maybe I'll get it to the top for you. That's a big deal. Like seeing Chanel, like I look at their media and stuff like that. They're everywhere. They're doing it. You know what I mean? Leaders doing it too. Everybody's doing it. You know what I mean? Both people can be doing it. You know, it's like the uh, just because you're awesome. Whatever, whatever. Sit on the other side of the table. Stay there. <laughs> I got, I got to be a, I got to be a background writer extra in the, uh, the Snelly video. Which, Which Snelly video? video? Um, while we were in, uh, in Italy. Oh, we nice. Okay. Out. Safa, Kim Nonstop, some other friends, Raul. And then they just needed some extras, so they just need some extras to just yeah, to just be filler, blurry filler. All right, um, yeah. How, how how do you like that? I mean, Chanelli. I bet everybody wants to hear about that because Chanelli. They have really nice things, and oh, everybody has nice things. But They're like any things, Chanelli's paint jobs. I was impressed. Uh, you guys had a really cool presence at at Red Hook. Yeah, you know, being a European based company with um, Colombo, the owner of Columbus Tubing. Antonio Colombo, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing like mechanics and seeing kids um, come up to some of the Chanelli riders and ask for autographs. That was pretty incredible. That's cool. So what's what's it like being part of such an elite team? Give us three of the best like benefits um, that they provide for you, and then. Your favorite thing about the uh, the bike that you're on this year? Um, which, which I have one. But keep going. I'll talk I, about I have one too. Oh, um, <laughs> she has two, is what she says. <laughs> no, I, I just have one right now. Um, it's like underwear. You know. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Two two pairs. You heard it here. That's funny. Okay. okay. Uh, no, I mean, I uh, being on the team is really cool. Um, I remember when I first started racing Red Hook. And I just felt so out of place. And I, I tell the story um, where my first ever Red Hook, I went to a um, party, at the pre-party at a Chrome, Chrome okay. Industries, or the hub in, uh, in Manhattan. And I felt so out of place. I just felt wow. I didn't know anyone. There were so many people. Everyone seemed like this kind of, everyone knew everyone. And I just, I felt like I didn't matter. It wasn't interesting. It was not a place for me. And then, um, you know, like f- fast forward two years, to, to this year, we did the Chrome pre-party, but it was, I mean, they we now do our um, team release parties at Chrome, right. and it was so bizarre to go from two years ago feeling completely out of place at this event to actually being part of what people come to see at the event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there's just this kind of really cool factor with, with Chanelli Chrome, just the amount of um, work that goes into just design and... Right. Both, both for form and function. I mean, we have just beautiful, beautiful equipment with the, the Vigorelli. is just a right. great bike. Um, head wheels, mm-hmm. which, like, I'd never raced on wheels that nice, and I didn't, like, I used to just be like, oh, whatever, people. Like, it's not the bike, it's the racer. And I, I still believe that, but, like, <laughs> those wheels help a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just a little, like, it, a lot, maybe. They feel, it's just, I mean... What, what, it's what so wheels, nice. Um, were you on before? You on just box rim, um, aluminum stuff, or yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's pretty night and day. Like I'm a, a big proponent. Was like you need to ride upgrades instead of buy upgrades. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So ride upgrades meaning ride up gradients, steep hills, oh, as in train, okay. instead of buy Buying upgrades. upgrades. Yeah. I get it. Um, okay. Let's see who said that. It's one of the famous American cyclists. Um, 
Greg. Was Greg that Lamont? I think that was, was Lamont. Lamont. Who's the other, the thicker one? The thicker one. Real strong. Anyway, sorry, bud. Um, <laughs> so you, you've traveled all over the world, Joe. You had, what was it, 19 flights? I was keeping uh, creeping the cat Instagram right before this, just trying to get some ammunition to talk some Fitzy smack. I thought you were looking at her passport almost. I was like, what are you talking about, 19 flights? <laughs> you've been on 19 flights this year. Is that correct? Yeah. Pretty incredible. That's um, cool. What's the most... The most fulfilling thing, would you say, about being able to travel the world via fixie bicycle? It's just not something I think I ever would have been able to do um, without an opportunity like this. I, you know, I grew up pretty poor. Um, we've always been very like working class, and uh, I never really, I didn't, I didn't have a passport until I was uh, twenty-two or twenty-three. Wow. So um, maybe even later than that. Okay. Um, and the the cool thing about it is when I see people travel with, um, you know, like I see some of my peers travel occasionally, it's like they're paying for their trip and they have this whole thing like, you know, it's coming out of their own pocket. But for me, it's like I feel like I earned it to be able to, you know, travel all over the world. Mm-hmm. That's great. What drives you and motivates you to keep going forward? Um, I just... I don't know. I like improving. It's mm-hmm. just something I think in most aspects of my life, I like um, growing as a person. I don't like feeling stagnant. I like um, looking back and seeing how far I've come and just, you know, so many things and cycling is definitely not, not an exception. How have you seen cycling leak over positively into other assets of your life? Uh, aspects of your life, excuse me. I, gosh, it's just, it's so many things. Um, it keeps me healthy, like, uh, so, yeah, well, and just even, like, as far as choices I make now, like, it's, like, I, um, I, you know, watch what I eat, um, I go to bed earlier because I have motivation to get up, so I'm not, you know, just partying all night long and trashing my body, and, uh, there's other stuff, too, like, one of the, one of the biggest things for me, one of the biggest benefits has always been, like, um, and I, I think this spreads to women, you know, you grow up as a woman, and you're very, concentrated on how you look and uh, I never really liked the way I looked and especially like the shape of my body it was always something very uncomfortable for me for um just purely from an aesthetic standpoint so with cycling like it gave me a different appreciation of the way I look or of my body rather just outside of the way I look you know it's I started caring less about how I looked and more about the capabilities of my body so beautiful now, I'm guessing now, like if somebody asked you five years ago, where do you see yourself now? You wouldn't see, you wouldn't have seen it, right? No, I mean, I didn't even really, I might've just bought a bike or I mean, I, I had a bike for a little bit, I guess at that point, mm-hmm. but so if somebody told you you're going to get to travel the globe, right? Yeah. Right. Where do you see yourself going for the future? Seeing where you're at right now, seeing what you've accomplished now, you know, the next step for you or just, you know, goals or things that you like to accomplish. You're going to get your cat one soon. Gato Uno. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even know. I just, I'd be happy if I just kept moving forward. Yeah. yeah. I don't like yeah. the idea of getting stopped. So right. Right. lifestyle, I yeah. think you're a lot like myself. You just, you like reaping the benefits of what this lifestyle means. And that means having 
having a clear head, having inner peace, having a community that you can depend on, being part of something bigger than yourself, having a support network. Well, I mean, it's even too, like, I look at this, this week I rode, like, over 300 miles, and I remember, like, um, maybe two or three years ago, like, 200 miles was just, like, oh, if I rode 200 miles in a week, that was, like, a huge week. I'm lucky if I do 100. Yeah, I mean, like, but you hit this point where you just train and train and train, Mm -hmm. and, like, you have these moments where you're like, wow, like... I just did, you know, three or four hard days of writing right. in one way or another. And, like, I survived, you know. And then one, uh, one, one feel my legs, I'm a racer the, today. The non-race that is scored as if it were a race. <laughs> yeah, the non-race, non, non-entry fee. That was pretty cool today is we had feel my legs, I'm a racer. And there was how many people at the start there? Maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty. Was there? Uh, there was quite a few. I'm a pretty crappy judge much, of, of crowds. I like to talk it up a bit because you got to talk it up. You got to make the people that weren't there get off, off the snuggle and oh, well, you know, come on four, out. 400, 400. Easily a thousand fixies, all breakless in jeans. It made the marathon crash race look tame. I think the Olsen twins were. I mean, I feel like yeah, I saw them there. So the whole full house crew was out there. Yeah. Okay. Bob Saget can rip a com. Let me tell you that. Was, was Uncle Jesse there doing people's hair? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he had his tank top, and it was fitted in just uh-huh. the right way. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Steel and qualms. He was uh, he was on a woman's Strava account. I think he borrowed Joe's and was, was stealing qualms. Sending up. That's funny. I love full house. I grew up on that. <laughs> Let's see. So today, Joe, you won, came around away with the overall W. It was, the format was 10 hills, the steepest climbs in Los Angeles. Some are the steepest in the world or the nation. They range in gradient from um, sustained 9, 10% for a mile to, I'd say most of them were punchier at 25 to 33%. So keep in mind the average like freeway gradient that you ever drive on is maybe 5%. So you're looking five times steeper than that. Wow. And Miss Celso came away with the win. Second, name off, name off your compatriots. Yeah, we had Jennifer Whalen yeah. second. And which which lady was third? Do we have that information? Libby, Libby. Painter. Libby Painter, Painter. Liberish on, on Instagram. So uh, Jenny is Jenny Say Yes. Uh, Joe is Lost in Tall Trees and Liberish for, for Libby. If you want to follow these ladies and be inspired. Don't send them direct messages. Yeah. Do not. <laughs> maybe please. maybe of cats. Maybe of cats. Oh, don't oh. open that up. But no, no weird text. Just like a photo of your cat. I'm okay with yeah. it. Hey, I'm okay with that. No you worries. want to see my kitty? You want it? You want that message? If it's an actual it's an cat, act- just send me. Yeah, don't no no text. Just an actual cat. Not let, doing let anything weird. Let her decide. Let her decide. Maybe if it's opening a door. Cat. Will you message back? To I might. Anybody? I might send back my cats because I, I I send my friends my <laughs> cat friends. photos anyway. So we're, we're gonna out. have a ripple okay. a ripple effect now. Guys are gonna be posing in their Tinder pics with. Cats. They already do that. Mm-hmm. Haven't you noticed like the the Tinder pic of of guy with cute animal? No. You guys no. probably don't browse the men's too much, huh? No, I don't, no. I'm not, no, I don't I'm not, I've never been on Tinder ever. <laughs> From Tinder back to the men's race. <laughs> so the men's race, feel my legs, I'm a racer. Man, this gentleman, John Budinoff. Is he on Tinder? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think Budinoff is definitely on Tinder. <laughs> He's got that New York humor. You're never going to doubt how he feels about you. And this man was born with two aces along with myself. The genetic lottery was one. Budinoff's a cool story. He came from, uh, from New York, and he wanted it. He started riding, 
didn't have a ton of athletic experience and he got good. He got good real fast and he did it gradually. The guy rides more than and anyone I know. Um, maybe Seth Britton, his, his homeboy, rides more, but on Strava, they're always crushing it. Budenoff rode, uh, let's see, the Circle of Doom, which is up Highway 39 out of Azusa, California. All the way up to the two, which is the longest sustained climb in America, maybe a 33-mile climb if you do the full thing, the Dawson Saddle. Heading west on the two, down, all the way to La Quinata, Pasadena. 90 wow. miles, very desolate. He rode that after Montrose and then raced again today, crushing it. I was only able to beat him on like two of the climbs, mm. but my booty don't go uphill too great. It took getting the cat one to realize that I wasn't a climber. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought I was a climber up until Cat 2. Second place, let's see, who do we have in there? We had Ed McGreevy. So I had always seen Ed on Strava for years. I think we even exchanged a few hours. He mentioned it today. He's like, I stole your KOM. It was right by your house. I apologize, man. I'm sorry. Not. Um, and he's like, the next day. He's like, you went out. You didn't say anything. You just went out the next day and you let the legs do the talking yeah, yeah, and you beat yeah. it. He's like, I haven't gone back in that neighborhood since, man. Yeah, so Ed got second, and Attila, we don't have his last name right now, but he was deadly to the point of almost being a fixie hun. Attila the fixie hun got third. And then some kook with, like, a titanium face, he got he got fourth. I believe Reggie Tooth, is that oh, that Reggie? Yeah, yeah. Bam! Okay. <laughs> Yours right. truly. So like, we're going four about? deep. We're going four deep on the podium. Just because okay. I got fourth. All right. Reggie has to mention fourth. That's fine. He wants to feel important. Give him that. <laughs> it was a cool, cool format. First place got five points per hill. Second got four. Third got three and so on. All the way down to five. They just did top five. And then most points at the end of ten stages won. What was it like, uh, Joe? You were climbing at one point. You were next to me, giving me a little scare. What did you think of, of the race? Give us your rundown. I spent a lot of time walking. <laughs> um, no, at, on several occasions. Up. I mean, the hills were so steep. If you lost, like, it's not a lot of those hills. Like, if you stopped riding up them, you were going to walk the rest of the way. There was just right, no way right. you were going to remount. You'd have so, to be like a mountain yeah, biker to get I mean, I don't, uh, I don't even know. Huh. Paperboying. You didn't even start paperboying. I saw people paperboying, which is where you go inside. Well, that's what killed me. Like, yeah. at one point, someone paperboyed in front of me, and, like, I had nowhere to go. Is that, what that's is that what that's called? Paperboying? Yeah, when you're, when you're, you're just, just like, exactly. yeah. So you're chopping the angle. So, I mean, if you guys have ever ridden a, anything over a 15% grade, you'll know, like, how insane 25% to 33%. Right, right. There's locals so they're, they're most of them are driveways which is crazy um chopped up pavement and there's locals that'll bail people out in their car to like do a three-point turn at the top and get it down the hill oh, or like in a stick shift you know because on a, how are you supposed to get started on a 25 percent grain tell us more joe which was uh which was your favorite least favorite i, I don't even know i don't know Eldridge. where we were it just seemed awful like i liked the last one what were we on mount washington yeah mount, mount that was just like a mellow road climb. I'm into that. I can do that. I can do that all day. Like, that's good. And there, and there was some uh, some strategery in that one, as I like to call it, because there was a little bit of a draft benefit or maybe psychological. Anything over 12 miles per hour on a bike, there's a draft benefit. So aerodynamics matters over 12. And that one was like maybe 9% grade. So you could kind of yeah, yeah, duke it out. Um, they had some uh, ice-cold Coca-Cola. It's like, I don't always drink Coca-Cola, but when I do, it's Mexican cola at the top of... I, I did not get a Mexican cola. I got a 
cherry coke though, which I haven't had in forever. Is that what you got? Cherry coke. Cherry coke. I haven't had a cherry coke since like I don't years. Okay. Well, congratulations on that race. I mean, yeah. that's that, that sounds steep. After a 300 mile week, so Joe, mm-hmm. tell us what what's the dream? What's the legacy? If you're having your fixie funeral today, what do you want people saying about you? If you could have have the ability to attend your own funeral and have people um, eulogize you, or as Will Ferrell would say, like you Googleize. No, it was uh, it was Ben Stiller in um, Zoolander. You Google eyes. Um, what are people saying at your funeral? What's the legacy you leave? And what song do you want played at your funeral Aww. too? Umbaba. I'm thinking Hanson Umbaba. Joe was so oh, nice to us. She rode yeah. so hard on the streets. We just oh yeah. So <laughs> Fixie Skid was unstoppable. No, I'm gonna. It's it's definitely gonna be Hotline Bling. Don't get me started. Oh. No, uh, I don't know. I sometimes I get kind of down on myself. I want I want more. Like you know when I say I, I want to keep going and racing and you know just being better mm-hmm. but uh sometimes like i um like i look back and i realize i you know when you guys asked me what i wanted to, what i where i would have seen myself five years like right. this is so much more than i would have thought like right. just right. winning a red hook like that that's insane for me mm-hmm. um winning wolf pack the the overall series three times is just like you know i wouldn't have seen that um and you know sometimes i feel like that's enough like i i came out and i I did a bunch of cool stuff, and I, you know, I, I outdid what I thought I could do. I remember the day at Shortland when I watched you win the road race, the the road category in Long Beach, and then 45 minutes to an hour later win the, the fixed curious overall. Snatch up every single preem. I think you made like 500 bucks that day. Oh, I, I made like, I think the total was 1300 Shut <laughs> that, was, that was a good night. Right. Real, hey, that's real IRS riding shit. Is coming. Don't, don't tell the anyone. The IRS listens to this. Oh. They're going to come after me. I'm lying. I'm lying. <laughs> she, she meant 1300 in Monopoly money. Yeah. Monopoly and money. And fixie money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was euros, euros, so it's basically like nothing in America. What are... Yeah. Do you have any last words for women or anything you want to say for all the female cyclists that want to get on the saddle or are already on the saddle, but they, they need that extra encouragement, you know? Like, do you have anything to say? You just got to do it. Like, uh, even racing, like racing is, everyone makes it out to be like, you, everyone always asks, like, how do you get into racing? And it's just mm-hmm. like, Start. you sign up for a race and then you put a number on and then you go race and you probably get dropped and like, it sucks, but like you learn. Yeah, mm-hmm. you everyone has to suck before they get good. Right. Nobody, even the best racers, like we all know what it's like to be dropped off of something. We all know what it's like. Ronnie doesn't know. He's never been dropped. I get dropped all the time. I almost dropped you on a hill today. Ooh. <laughs> she knows when the hotline plays. So <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you just gotta you gotta do it though. You gotta. I'm gonna say do not. You gotta learn to lose. You gotta learn to. You know, you gotta learn to suck, and then right, 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 right. And, then and then you eventually you get, get better. better. Uh oh, you don't suck anymore. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or right. you you don't suck for a little while, and then you upgrade, and then you suck. It takes time. It really does take time. You gotta put in the hours. Nothing good happens overnight. That's cool. Except for sleep. I feel like that happens overnight. That's probably true. And you yeah. need that. That's definitely needed. Sometimes Six I sleep during the day. You gotta recover. You gotta recover. I I think if any cyclist is honest with you, a big component of uh, getting faster is recovery. Yeah. 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 Especially uh, that was one of the biggest things I learned with stage races. 
a lot of time like you just have to commit to lying in bed for eight hours after the stage race what if guys sent you photos of them catnapping like they're like i'm resting catnap no, no that'd, that'd be weird still he's oh. his attack you're gonna get a fake insta like so do you like black guys now yeah <laughs> Like you Man. with like black cat ears. Exactly, exactly. I'm gonna be in a Catwoman oh, outfit, the Halle Berry Catwoman outfit. I just I thought of your line. You guys say, do you like? You like black guys? Meow. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. As far That's as the sleeping thing, there was this good uh, father and son duo. He's a runner, and people he's super fast. They asked him what's the secret. He's like, the secret is I wake up every morning at 4:30 and run 10 miles, and then run with my team practice in the afternoon, and. They were getting in people's head thinking that they needed to wake up early and train and get less sleep and do whatever it took, put in the miles. And so every morning to get the town talking and to buy into the story, dad would turn on a light in the house. Hmm. And so the neighbors start talking like, yeah, he does. I mean, you know, the light comes on, he wakes up every morning at 4 a.m. And then down the hall in the kid's bedroom, he sleeps in. He gets that good rest. Sometimes it's not a matter of training. Wrapping it up, we Joe, it up is an honor. Chatting for a long time. We're crushing it. Three hours in. Thanks for listening, y'all. Seriously, thank you, Joe, for coming in. Thank you for being a part of the Cyclecast. Thank you for racing. Thank you for the ladies. Thank you for telling us what's really going on. I bet a lot of people really wanted to know what you had to say or what want to hear what you have to say, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if I'd get that part, but I'm, maybe maybe two or three people out there. It's cool. I can. <laughs> I, I, I guess. definitely, definitely. Hey, I've definitely heard like the guys as you say not not muttering bad things like, "Oh, well, look at her and her and her kit and things like that." But guys are saying like, "Yo, she puts the pace in." You know what I mean? She does it. And so a lot of people really like watching you and you do so good. You know what I mean? So keep going. We're huge fans of you. I'm a fan. Ronnie's a fan. Yvette's a fan. The world's are fans. And so. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Quaheti. <laughs> Clap hands. Do you want to thank anybody? Is there anything you want to say? No. No. Shout, Shout out, out to, to Janelle Crow. Yeah. I think that's oh, of important. course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi, Paolo, I believe, just won one of the races in Bangkok. So, congratulations, Paolo. Nice. And shout out to Jennifer Trejo in Bangkok as well. Of course. Yeah. From Track and Feel. Cool, cool, cool. Ronnie? Here. Ronnie. Okay, here. All right. Thank you, guys. Cool.